Hello there, and welcome to the Literarily Trash Podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Roseanne. I'm Vanessa. I'm Samantha. And I'm Stephanie. And we're four sisters who love to read, drink, and talk shit. If you check any of those boxes, or hell, if you're just looking for some solid entertainment, you've come to the right place. Our exclusive book club is now open to the public. So grab a drink, pull up a chair, and let's talk some shit. Oh, and hey, listener discretion is advised. Do I look like a homeless person? Yes. Yes. With my I was thinking the, the same background. thing that you looked like you were homeless. I'm just kidding, Vanessa. <laughs> <laughs> it's the hair. I was thinking more like I'm kidding. Is it the lack of makeup? Uh, Is anybody? Well, I guess I'm wearing a little bit of makeup, but not enough to matter. You can't even. I have no eyelashes. Look at them; they're gone. I was thinking you looked um, more like some species of a troll, actually. Me? Who? Vanessa? Who? Are we talking about Stephanie's hair? Do you remember? Who are you talking about? What about? Do you remember the trolls? Do you remember the trolls with the hair? That like stands up yeah. on top of their head, and it was like a. She that's was what palm your tree. Hair was like earlier. Oh, my palm tree. Oh, my lioness. It's what your hair is like now. Your lion mane oh. is very oh. much. Guys, I literally look like Michael Jackson in this picture. <laughs> <laughs> Go look. <laughs> Wait, which version of my? Oh my. The Michael white Jackson. Michael Jackson when he messes his nose up. <laughs> well, it's I look a, cute. I mean, there was definitely Michael Jackson vibes. I mean, keep it. It is what it is. But No, you look cute, Sam. I'm the white version of Michael Jackson. I see it, Samantha. Right? <laughs> but it is cute. Well, I can't wait to release it. <laughs> Maybe you could do like that. What's that thing where you do the red eye? And so you like do a lot of dots to fix the situation. You probably do it to her nose. Whoa. Wow. That's a lot of work. Whoa. <laughs> no? I know it does. It's it's the obviously it's the shadow. Do you want me to retake it, Sam? No, I'm fine. Are you sure? I don't know. Is Let's it just your one it. nostril that looks big in this lighting? Yes. It Look is. at it. Look, I still see it's it. What now. is wrong with your nostril? <laughs> what you see? That? What are you doing? <laughs> I think it's the angle, my camera angle. Sure. Here, let's try this. Have you been blowing out your nose? No, I haven't been doing anything fun, guys. <laughs> All right. Is everyone ready? Oh, Sammy, Vanessa, you're a little blurry. Wait, um, and if this isn't me better, I don't give a fuck. We're just going to release Michael Jackson. Am I still blurry? All right. Let me still? put my nose no, down. No, you're good. Maybe. Everyone come just like closer to the camera a little tiny bit. Yeah. Okay. One, two, three. all of our faces drop the second the picture is over <laughs> it's the kanye smile we can't see i think i have two nostrils do i have two <laughs> nostrils <laughs> is there two <laughs> episode seven i'm just kidding oh wait <laughs> episode three that that was great though i'm glad you left it in stephanie um i'll have you know <laughs> On my piece of paper, so I wouldn't fuck up, I wrote, I scratched out whoever wrote episode five to try and fuck me up. <laughs> so I got you. I wondered who did it that. Says, 
It's me, but dumb. it says podcast three. Vanessa? I know, Vanessa has to be so specific that it's episode five, but it's podcast three. And then she's going to be like, no one can work with me because they can't follow my file system. Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) I'm not that bad. (laughs) What are you eating? Oh, your your Welch's. Wait, you broke into them already? (laughs) Well, I did. She had to open the wrapper before we started recording. I didn't want it to be loud as I was crumpling, so I dumped them on the table. And they can't just sit there without eating them. Get one when you want, like E.T.'s fingers. (laughs) When he reaches for the Reese's Pieces. I think about that. The M&M's? It is Reese's Pieces. That's right. I think about that a lot. I do too, actually. I'm not going to lie. That very specific, like his fingers, like I think about that a lot. That movie, yes, the way it sounded me. and the way, like, yes, me too. Yeah. And he, like, he's like patting down the hallway. Yeah, I think about that a lot. <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm missing a lot of I don't think photos. I've ever been more sad for somebody than when, when I watched. Don't we do it Stephanie. again, Rosie? Yeah. Yeah. E.T. E.T. <laughs> that was look a, a core memory is hiding behind the couch where you guys watch et and yeah. being traumatized and like scared that yeah that's what i was saying oh, like wow. that, i've never been more sad for somebody than watching her cry behind the couch but she wanted to watch et so i was too afraid it didn't to make go any my sense room. i was too scared to go to my room by myself. <laughs> you asked us to put it on that's the thing like i want to watch et i'm like are you sure your memory is i don't skewed. remember things like that your memory is skewed <laughs> I think the grossest part is when he's that, like, really pale creature thing laying underneath the mm-hmm. bridge. And they go and, like, scoop him up. Oh, God. He's so I remember as a kid watching that and not, like, understanding what that whole part of the movie was about. That, like, you know, when he gets, like, when he has his issues and everybody comes into the house. Like, I remember thinking that part was just, like, weird in the movie. I never really understood it until I was an adult. He's so it is, because I, I actually have not rewatched it as an adult because I, I can't watch E.T. But if I remember, oh so he got sick, but people had seen the alien and they made calls and that's why they all showed up, right? Because they had seen that he was an alien. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's how they knew remember. to come they if were, I find him. And like, they were watching him and like they were watching the family because they knew it was there. And they did the little... Oh. Sound, whatever that machine was that like detected there was a creature of some sort and then they put the house on lockdown because they found out that that's where it was and you can't have a fucking E.T. roaming around the world so they went in to go and study him I guess when he's laying in the bed looking half dead you know and they're putting mm, the, yeah. the mask on that's what Sam was like at that game when she couldn't get water yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> Hit me. <laughs> That's what I'm like after one glass of wine now the next morning. I'm like so dehydrated. Like I feel like all life is sucked out of me. Michelle yeah. of a human. So we tomorrow should be fun. Entire- Cheers. I know. Right? <laughs> well, yeah. We well, saw so- your, your decanter. <laughs> yes. In case. So I almost bought a bottle of wine, but I knew that I would drink the whole bottle. So I couldn't even. I was like, nope, nope, Samantha, you need to drink beer because you will drink the whole bottle. Because so, that's what happened at, at the, the vineyard. Remember, Rosie? I was like, are you going to drink some wine? I've like drank half the bottle and Roseanne hasn't even had any yet. <laughs> oh my God. Because it wasn't good. And actually, I'm going to bring my own wine. Oh, can you? Oh. I'm going to. I didn't know you oh, could. Okay. I'm going to, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I'm just saying, yeah, I, I just, I don't want to spend all night drinking shitty vineyard wine. So um, I'm going to bring my own. The, the question That's wasn't, the question was, can you? And you're just saying, I'm gonna, but can you? I'm going to. Outside? I'm going to bring it in my purse. Mm-hmm. So if I brought to 
I'm not gonna. Why would I bring a bottle of tequila? Bring tequila. Yeah, yeah. Bring your tequila. You, you could no, because I'm trying you to go though. home so I can get catered to on Sunday. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah I gotta get yeah. Dick down in Dallas. You know. Oh yeah. Nice. Have you guys heard that song? Yes. No. no. My wonderful Dick friend down in Dallas. Shout out Christy Lunsford. She played it for us one night, and I was like, "Where the fuck did you find this treasure?" <laughs> is it a? Is that? Is it that one guy who sings like the dirty songs, like the country guy yes. who sings the dirty yes. songs? What's his name? Uh, Brett loves name. him, and I'm like, every time I hear it, he has that song about making his face sticky. You know what I'm talking about? Sticky, icky, and he's got his whatever. Yeah, it's Whoa. every time those songs come out, I'm like, Brett, I can't even like, and I'm a woman, like <laughs> Trey. These Lewis. are my bodily functions. No, that's not who I was thinking. Well, it's Trey Lewis. He's okay, down in Dallas song. <laughs> Thank you for that. Here I am. There goes Samantha on Google. I'm googling and adding to my playlist. Wheeler Walker Jr. That's who it is. You guys all need to listen to Wheeler Walker Jr. Greg will love the fuck out of him. So definitely let Greg listen to him. Um, Wheel- it's called Sit On My Face is the name of the song. And you guys all oh, have yeah, to listen to it. He will love that song. Yes. <laughs> he has a song and all it is is I Like Smoking Pot. Nice. Oh, it's good stuff. Well, I say good stuff. Brett's going to be like, really, Samantha? You hate that guy. <laughs> I do. Sluts in heaven. God, that means he's listening. Hi, Brett. Hi, Brett. <laughs> what up? Thanks for joining. my butt. Oh, JBK. <laughs> what did Vanessa just say? Finger up my butt. That's another one of his songs. Uh, oh, you said you like nice. that? Yeah. <laughs> that was my last night. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Are we editing that out? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how I feel when yeah. I listen to it. Come on. <laughs> Let's listen to the playback. Uh, how is your face, though? How is your face? I mean, it's still there. This little part. Right there. But does it still itch? No. It feels way better. Like, it, it doesn't hurt anymore. But you can still see it. It should be another couple weeks, she said, that you might see it on my face. So oh, that's wow. fun. Yeah. Well, no, because when you have on makeup. So me and Roseanne went to the vineyard, as you guys know. And she shows up. She's like, do you see it on my face? And literally, you see nothing, like, at all. Like, in fact, <laughs> if I didn't know there was anything on your face, I wouldn't have even looked at your face. Like, that's what Taryn says. Like, even just at dinner just now, like, I have no makeup on right now. Like, I'm just plain face. And he was like, oh, yeah, so how is that? And I was like, well, look at me. You can see it. He's like, oh, I, I don't even see it. So maybe it's really just me. But- it isn't as noticeable <clears throat> as you think it is. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, for anyone who um, who cared about my trauma from the last episode it was actually shingles um i had a horrible two weeks but i powered through like a boss bitch per usual and i'm still alive so yes that was fun (laughs) wait do people die from shingles (laughs) i don't know i don't know i asked my doctor today i was like so should i be concerned that i had shingles like is it time to get the vaccine like the old people thing and she's like well we might go ahead and recommend that and i was like great Oh my God, you're a senior citizen. Yeah. Does it come with the membership? Yeah. Does it come with the membership to AARP? (laughs) All right. Y'all ready to kick it off? We should do our cheers. Yes. Yes. Yeah, let's do it. Y'all feeling good? Sure. Cheers. 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 Episode three of the Literarily Trashed Podcast. Thank you for correctly stating the episode for me. Well, didn't want to leave it in your hands. There was still a chance I was going to fuck it up. (laughs) Okay, so episode three, we are reviewing What Lies Between Us by John Mars. 
Stephanie, tell us what it's about. A dark and twisted tale of intense love and hatred. Nina can never forgive Maggie for what she did, and she can never let her leave. They say every house has its secrets, and the house that Maggie and Nina have shared for so long is no different, except that these secrets are not buried in the past. Every other night, Maggie and Nina have dinner together. When they are finished, Nina helps Maggie back to her room in the attic and into the heavy chain that keeps her there, because Maggie has done things to Nina that can't ever be forgiven, and now she is paying the price. But there are many things about the past that Nina doesn't know, and Maggie is going to keep it that way even if it kills her. Because in this house, the truth is more dangerous than lies. So basically, we have another book about a bitch named Nina locked up in the attic. <laughs> I did the yes. same thing when I read Nina. I'm like, hmm. What are the chances? I know. We're on theme. Who picked this? We are. Guess who picked it? Steph. Stephanie. Yeah. I'm, I'm three for three, guys. Actually, yeah, well, I'm going to Debo the next one after this. Four for four, because I picked the next one, too. After oh, that wow. one, I'm picking, and I'm Deboing it. Please? <laughs> it's a big responsibility. <laughs> I will. <clears throat> All right, so let's talk a little bit about our new author that we just read, because this is honestly my first John Marsh book. Is this mine, too? Well, first mine, John too. Marsh? Okay. Yeah. Um, it's I not mine. Surprise. Oh. Okay, well, whatever. Um, I liked him. I thought he was good. Care to elaborate? <laughs> I know. Multiple one, two, like what? She how many didn't. She didn't let me finish. <laughs> That's what she said. So I read the book, The One, by him, um, and that one, you guys. Actually, I feel like you all need to read it. Um, so I would call it a must read, honestly, for anyone who has not read it. I'm going to actually insist that you read it. It's a very interesting concept about a company that found the gene that can pair you with your soulmate. So they use your DNA and they match you with your perfect life partner who you're genetically made for. The book was so good. It was such a new concept. Um, and Netflix actually made a movie out of it or a series out of it. They totally did not stick with the book, but I still liked it. They actually totally discombobulated it all, but it was still good. So I'm actually going to insist you guys read and watch. Anybody listening. It was very good. Hmm. Okay. And I'm that's all I have to say about intrigued. John Mars. Yes, you should be intrigued. It was good. Mm-hmm. I am. Okay. Carry on, Vanessa. Well, then let's talk about John Mars. So the guy lives in London, which is already cool for us in America. We mm-hmm. just had that whole coronation thing. Did anybody watch that? No. Who got coronated? Who the fuck cares? <laughs> what? Can you use coronation in a sentence? <laughs> no. <laughs> King no, Charles. <laughs> Wait. Oh. Queen Elizabeth's oh, yeah, yeah. son, okay. like William yes. and Harry's dad. Yeah. The cheating asshole. Yeah. The cheating dad. Yeah. yeah. Right. The, the one who killed Diana. Diana. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's why we didn't watch it, Vanessa. Plot yeah. twist. <laughs> and because Plot it's twist. England and who cares? <laughs> we don't sit with them. He has, <laughs> he spent 25 years as a freelance journalist and he did um, interviews of celebrities for a lot of different magazines, which is okay. That's more like Roseanne's, right up Roseanne's alley, right? 
So John became an author in 2013. Um, He also is, for those of you guys that are part of the Psychological Thriller Readers Group that's on Facebook, I know that we are and a couple of our listeners may actually be, um, but he is a member on there and he does interact regularly and often, which Stephanie, I think you said earlier that he's pretty funny when he jumps in and Yeah, he's in there a lot. He does. He jumps in and people are like, you know, they'll, they'll talk about John Mars as their favorite author and he'll just pop in with a funny gif, gif. Gif? 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 Oh, God. Hip. 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 Is it Gif like the peanut butter? Or Gif? No, it's Gif. It's Gif, It is a Gif. Gif. Pop in with a funny Gif every now and again. Um, Yeah, and he has a good sense of humor. It it actually, his interactions in the group is what made me suggest his book for us to read because I enjoyed his personality as he was showing up in the group. Hmm. Well, um, so one Hmm. of the things I thought was pretty cool about him, I know we always like to guess get an idea of who our authors are and like where they get their inspiration or feedback from um and he had a little snippet on his website which i'm going to read because i love all of these authors so i might have found a new favorite um so he had on here um it says so jillian flynn showed me you can never get too dark with your characters tom rob smith showed me how to think cinematically stephen king demonstrated you shouldn't be afraid to mix up your genres Peter Swanson taught me that there's no shame in killing off a central character midway through a book if it serves the storyline well. I like all of those authors. So I just thought that that was kind of cute. That was a great shout out to those authors too. That was cool. Another tick for John Mars. That's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Well, and and the the mention about not being afraid to switch genres because I, I think John writes in two different styles. He either does a psychological thrillers or the speculative fiction, which is like, the one that Roseanne was describing that's on the speculative fiction side. The book we're talking about today is on the psychological thriller side. Just our cup of tea. This book um, is being a uh, fuck. <laughs> this, wow. <laughs> this, this book is being adapted into something. Yes. <laughs> um, Renee Zellweger's Renee Zellweger Zellweger's production company picked this book up <laughs> so this book the again. one we just read yes or the one this yeah. one okay. no right. the one's okay. already out on netflix this book that we're okay. reading right now what, what lies, lies between, between us, us has been okay. picked up by renee zellweger her production company so nice she's, we'll okay. see she's cute we'll see how that goes well i don't think she's gonna be like in it i think she's just like no i know but i like it or whatever so. She's not cute anymore. She's gross and weird. Her face is weird now. What? Well, she always had an interesting face. I always liked it when people would like pretend to be her because they would like scrunch (laughs) weird things with their faces. Well, I think she got a lot of plastic surgery to fix that about her face and our face looks even worse. Oh, no. Is that not the story of like every celebrity's life? No. Okay. One more thing I want to say about John Mars. He, his books were rejected numerous times by different agents and publishers. So he ended up self-publishing his first three books. Um, they all ended up being picked up individually by different publishers, but then Penguin picked up his book, The One. They turned it into the next book series, and then the rest was history for John Mars. He um, is now a, a very well-known, successful author. I'm actually surprised that this is the first book I have really come across from him yet. Um, he hadn't been on my radar, mm-hmm. um, and I'm excited to read all of his other stuff. Yeah, That's it. That was my last note on John Mars. I have another cute thing about him. He... Uh... He writes and then he prints it out like us nerds right now with our paper. He prints out his books or the chapters and then makes notes all over them with like different colored pens. 
and then Aww. goes back and does the edits on his computer. So he's like, I think it's adorable. It's totally something. I use highlighters of different colors, guys, and different colored pens all the time on my work. So I thought that was cool. Before I start my to-do list every day, I pick which color highlighter I want to use, depending on how I'm feeling. Sometimes it's just gray. Sometimes I throw in a purple or a blue, depending on if I'm feeling froggy. Green on a pretty spring day. Get me out of this conversation. Are you, <laughs> well, are you gonna... done? <laughs> are you going to start talking about fucking bluebirds next? Jesus. Did you like my pictures? I mean, they were cute and round, whatever. They were cute. I did. I did enjoy Thanks, the pictures, guys. actually. In fact, if you send more of those throughout the day in the future, I would not be sad. I keep Do my... Not. Ooh, I, ooh, that was an invitation. <laughs> I keep my camera with my long lens literally on my outdoor desk because when I'm working out there, they're all in that tree. I'm just up there just... And Bo comes out and he says, take pictures of birds. And he always picks up my camera and pretends to be doing it. So that's cute. Aww. Do you hear that? You Stephanie's client, camera? she's taking pictures of birds all day. Hey, shh. I also think that Bo probably needs to spend some time with younger children. <laughs> he, Yeah, <laughs> he is not. Yes. Maybe at a daycare. <laughs> he is not a child. No. He's not. No, he is not a child. <laughs> nope. It's accurate. Nope. He's not a kid. Huh. <laughs> Poor. I also feel like I hear him I screaming know. faintly in the background. Well, he's yeah. not home, so that's phantom screams. He's fishing with his dad. <laughs> or maybe they are um, home and you guys can hear them better than I can. We can hear people. <laughs> that's my kid. It's not <laughs> my very much. I was, <laughs> you said it was you said it was your kid? Yeah, it's my kid. It yeah. is. I knew it. I, I have on Bo's headphones with like that. I have the quiet mode on my head. Like my head Ooh, is like nice. a suction right now. I hear nothing. Yeah, it's wonderful. Aww. Do you guys want me to jump into some of the characters? Yeah. Now that we've yeah. all forgot what the book was about? Yes. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Somebody read the description again. I'm just kidding. Edit. A bitch named Nina. A bitch named Nina is locked in the attic. There you go. No, a bitch no, named Maggie. Maggie is. No. Wrong. All right. Let me let me introduce the characters. I got this. Roseanne, this is my job. Excuse me. <laughs> Shut up. So. All right. So we're gonna get into some of the characters. Um, as if you guys recall from the description, we talked about mainly Maggie and Nina. So we're gonna talk about who they are and kind of that relationship between them two. Um, so when we first meet Nina, she is a, and I feel like I should say we're gonna get into spoilers as we always do. So just be prepared for that guys. We're going to jump into them quick. We're going to jump into plot twist very quick. Um, this book too was kind of like where the, on the savage side where they jump back and forth. So they did go back and forth in time. So when I, when I talk about these characters or hear about me, you know, hear me talk about them kind of in their, you know, present tense versus their past tense. So when we first meet Nina, she is a 36 year old single woman or 30, 34, I guess, technically we meet her a uh, single woman. She works at a library, um, she believes she has no children. She lives at home with her mom. Um, plot twist. Her mom is actually chained upstairs in the bedroom. Um, you don't fully understand the events that led up to her mom being chained up. However, you immediately notice that something is off about Nina. Like there's something, there's something to her. Um, and then when we first meet Maggie. She's in her 60s. She's been chained up for the past two years by her daughter when we meet her. Uh, she spends most of her time locked up in the room, only being allowed to bathe twice. I think it's twice a week. Um, she has dinner with Nina twice a week, and she spends most of her time in the room. She's not allowed outside, and she's not allowed anywhere without her ankle chain. Um, next character we're going to talk about is Alistair. So Alistair is Nina's dad, Maggie's husband. Um, he's only discussed in flashbacks throughout the book. Um, he is dead throughout the story. He's buried in the backyard, plot twist. 
Um, you want to hate him the entire story um, because you think that he has um, done something to, to Nina when she was a child. Um, however, he's just a cheating liar. You'll find that out soon. Um, John, uh, what's John's last name? I feel like John Hunter, Hunter. right? Mm-hmm. Isn't it John Hunter? So John Hunter, yeah. um, he is a skinny, greasy, dirty guy in his early 20s. He is a lead singer of the band who Nina um, becomes obsessed with at a young age. She is 14 when she meets him. He is 22. Um, he ends up getting her pregnant twice. Did he not get her pregnant the first time? Okay. Just once. Nina got Did he pregnant. not? I don't know. Maybe that's maybe No, he didn't. Twice. Nina. Um, okay. Um, he ends up getting Nina pregnant. Um, and, and whenever um, she gets pregnant is whenever Maggie kind of pulls her away from John. He is a heavy drug user and grooms younger woman. He, um, As I mentioned, he was with Nina when she was 14. Um, he has a fetish. He loves it when she's in her school uniform. Um, and like, as I mentioned, he does get her pregnant. Um, you do find out later in the book that he actually ends up being incarcerated for over 20 years for the murder of his other pregnant girlfriend. Um, he does later die of leukemia while in prison, um, while he's still proclaiming his innocence, which we'll get into what that all means. Um, Dylan. Uh, so Dylan is Nina and John's son. So Nina is the daughter. John Hunter is the, the greasy guy in the band. Um, Dylan, he, uh, he's got dark hair, pale skin and green eyes. Um, he gets adopted as an infant into a well-to-do family, um, ends up going by the name Bobby. Um, he actually ends up finding Nina through Facebook um, and unfortunately starts a relationship with him, which leads to his untimely death. And then the last character we're going to get into is Elsie, who is the old neighbor next door. Um, she is a former friend of Maggie. They, they spent a lot of time together. Um, every Thursday, they would have tea with each other. Um, she ends up helping Maggie with the adoption process for Dylan. Um she knew about Alistair. She knows about Dylan. Um, and she watches Nina the entire story and never says a word, which is annoying. Fucking Elsie. <laughs> and, uh, and knows something is off, knows that, that something's off with Maggie, uh, but never ends up actually doing anything. Wow. Good job. Samson. Good. That was great. Yeah. That was a lot to get through. You did good. Okay. Wait, yeah. pause. <clears throat> Can we talk about Roseanne's new name real quick before we get into the twist and ending? Oh, yeah. yeah. I feel like Pickle Slut is worth mentioning. Um, I'm it is. waiting for my sweater that you're buying me for my birthday. So Roseanne, um, when it's one of my favorite stories about Roseanne that when she was pregnant, she used to eat <laughs> so many pickles and watermelon, but we're going to focus on the pickles right now that it would give actually, her. Actually, it was solo cups. No, it was solo cups full It was of just the juice. Pickle juice. Pickle juice. Yeah. My bad. Solo There's cups full. Pickles. Anyways, it didn't agree with her stomach, as you can probably guess. And so recently I was, you know, doom scrolling on social media and I saw a sweater that just has a jar of pickles and it says pickle slut on it. And all I could think about Roseanne was Roseanne and her obsession with eating pickles um, or apparently just drinking the juice. So I told her I would, I would actually, no, I never said I was buying that for you. That was your you own did. You, for, you forgot. You forgot that you said that. No. I don't you ever did. buy you birthday gifts, though. I know. So, but you know were, it's not me. You were this time. You thought you felt bad because I had shingles on my birthday and you were going to buy that for me. <laughs> ah. Well, Rosanna's patiently waiting for it. So. Yeah. Okay. Some subliminal messages. <laughs> Anyways, I felt like pickle slut was worth noting. All right. As we were. Can we get into the twist and ending? Because there's a lot to talk about. Stephanie, why don't you start us off on some of the really cool twists that happened? Sam gave away a couple of them when she's talking about the characters, but let's get into the deets. All right. Let's talk about some of the big twists. 
Um, I'm just going to start looking over them, guys, and just jump in if you want to talk about one before we move on to the next. Um, so big twist number one, Nina intentionally killed her dad, not for molesting her like we all believed through most of the story. I'm sure I speak for all of us when I say that but because he was leaving her and her mother for another woman. Um, so most of the story, you, you're you not ever told directly by Maggie from her perspective why her fault that the husband died, Alistair. You are led to believe that um, Maggie killed him for a little bit, and Nina believes that Maggie killed him. So for most of the story, you're not really sure what happened. I was putting, I had my own theories, of course. I, I assumed he had molested his daughter and that Maggie had figured it out and killed him for it. That was my theory. But it turns out, no, Nina is the one who intentionally killed her father um, in one of her psychotic blackouts, which we will talk about. Um, and it was only because he was leaving her for another woman. Um, and she, she did it with um, a golf club guys yes she just took a golf club to mm-hmm. his head and beat him in the hallway in front of maggie well, mind you it, well, i was gonna say and let's talk about how that that kind of happened so maggie wakes up in the middle of night looking for her husband beside her in the bed he's not so she goes downstairs thinking he's in his office like he usually is working um and she ends up going over to nina's room and he's coming out of nina's room mm. looking very guilty um, and at that time, of course, we all think yep. what Maggie thinks, that he's doing something he shouldn't have been doing in the room with her. He looks guilty, doesn't try and explain himself. Um, and before Maggie even gets a chance to get any information, Nina literally comes swinging out of the, the room and, and kills Alistair. Um, so it, it, just the way it happened, you know, like I said, we all assume that he's that he took advantage of her. And we don't even get a chance to understand what happened because Nina goes into her psychotic break. Um now, you said intentionally. I just want to ask you guys. So you said Nina intentionally killed her father. I never got a good vibe throughout the story that Nina knew that she was the one who killed She Alistair. did not. I was about to say she, complete, she, did she not. does this and then completely forgets about it. Until the end. Completely forgot. In the end, she she totally says the whole thing about her dad doing what he did and why she grabbed the golf club. So she did know the whole time. She just didn't let people know that she just pretended like it wasn't a thing. But in reality, she knew the whole fucking time she did it. Wait, okay. Pause there. All of that. No, I remember that, but pause there because yeah, no, I remember Nina saying that, but throughout the whole story, she's, she's convinced that Maggie did it. And that's why she's one of the reasons why she's put Maggie up in the attic. I think that that is just part of her character. I think she knows the whole time she did it and she's just, she just doesn't like to admit that she did anything wrong, but in reality, she's fully aware she totally did it. Hmm. She just doesn't want and to I guess admit that, that she did it. That's where I struggle with is I couldn't get a feel for if she knew, because she does talk about, um, and I'll just go ahead and get into this. She does talk about um, being her daddy's little girl, only girl was mm-hmm. actually where she used, mm-hmm. was only girl. And that's how Alistair talked to Nina was, Nina, you're my only girl. She overhears her dad talking on the phone to somebody saying, you're my only girl. And that's when something triggers with her. But then the way at least I, I, you know, I guess understood the book is that she blacked out, doesn't know what she did after that, but then came to afterwards. Um, so I never really got a vibe that she knew that she was violent um, or like that. Um, just that she she knew something happened, but she didn't know that she was the one who did it. That you might be, you might be right, Sam, because I th- I know we got the perspective of when Alistair mm-hmm. was actually killed from Maggie. <laughs> 
but we got the perspective of what led up to it, the only girl conversation from Nina. But I don't remember Nina actually saying, I picked up a golf club and hit him in the head. We heard that from Maggie when her perspective was explaining the night she caught Alistair in his in her room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when she goes into her moments, she describes it as blacking out, mm-hmm. like going red. Seeing red. Um, and mm-hmm. I... Exactly. And that's kind of how she describes leading into that moment. Like, I just remember that I was his only girl. I heard him saying that. And then I went red. Um, Mm -hmm. So so I still feel like with Nina, she doesn't she's still a fucking psycho. Let's be real. Mm -hmm. But I don't think she knows when she goes into those moments like she loses herself. At the end, there's a part where. Where um, Maggie is explaining the facial expression that Nina has when she has one of another one of her episodes and how different that expression was than all the other times before. So it dawned on her in that moment that she knew exactly what she was doing. And that was how Maggie realized there was a difference between her breakdowns and her intentional anger and outbursts that were 100% fully present and accounted for. So there is a moment where they talk about that at the end. And that's when she's describing Dylan. She, When she's describing what happened with Dylan, that's at that moment the way her face looks. But then she recalls that when she saw her face whenever she killed Alistair, she looked different. Um, so I think in the Dylan moment, she did know what she was doing. Um, but in the Alistair moment and in the old Shelly Ann or whatever her name is, the, the girl, Sally the pregnant Ann. girl who gets killed. Um, I feel like she Wait. doesn't know she did that in those parts. No, Maggie does say that her face when Alistair, she was like, I recognize the face she had when she attacked Dylan. That's the same face she had when she did it to Alistair. That was what Maggie says. So she very clearly mentions that there is a distinction between, and that was when Maggie realized, oh my God, Nina probably actually killed Alistair intentionally. It was not one of her breakdowns. That was at the end when she kind of noticed it. Hmm. I'm, I highlighted it. And did they ever say what he was doing in her room? Telling her that she was leaving them. Like what was he doing? Did they ever say? Yeah, he followed her after the phone conversation that Nina overheard. And he went in the oh, room to okay. explain it to her and told her, I don't love your mother oh, anymore. Gotcha. I'm going to be leaving her. And oh, Nina that's stopped. right. Yeah. Yeah. That's but right. I, now, million dollar question, did Nina know when she snapped and killed Alistair and then just convinced herself that Maggie was responsible? I think yes. It sounds I mean, like probably some don't. because remember also she kept saying, well, she kept saying through the book too. Um, I don't want, I don't want Maggie to leave me. Like she was always concerned about somebody leaving her. So maybe you know the whole time she was coherent and just like went batshit in, in case anyone tried to leave her. Correct. That's part of her. Okay, that's only stuff. that's only plot twist number one. Oh yeah, guys, there's more. <laughs> Sammy, you briefly mentioned Sally Ann. Mm-hmm. So we have in here that. So for for those that haven't read the book, Sally Ann was the pregnant girlfriend of John Hunter. John Hunter's the creepy lead singer guy of The Hunters. That's the name of their dumb band. Um, who gets Nina pregnant and is the father of their child, Dylan, who we'll talk about in a minute. Sally Ann is John's other pregnant girlfriend who he lives with. And Nina goes to John's house right after she has the baby that she thinks is no longer present and accounted for. She goes to his house to confront him and sees the pregnant girlfriend and goes into one of her quote unquote moments and literally butchers Sally Ann, stabs her several times in the stomach and everything, killing her and her baby. Um, And John ends up getting framed for it. Sally Ann didn't die right away. Sally Ann was still alive. When Maggie yeah. got suspicious 
and went to go check out the house. I don't remember if she was, if she saw the, oh yeah, that's right. She saw the knife drop out of Nina's jacket, Mm -hmm. saw she was rain, it was raining, saw she was wet, immediately knew she went to John's house, went to go check it out, find Sally Ann in the bathroom, still alive. And, And she knew Sally Ann because Maggie was, worked at a doctor's office and had seen her come in to be checked out, knew who she was, knew her, her boyfriend was. It was part of the reason why she was trying to pull Nina away from John Hunter. And yeah, finds her in the bathroom, uh, heavily pregnant, very pregnant, and stabbed, but not dead, and then left her to die and just left. And that's rough. Well, she, we missed it for a second, but we forgot that, so when Nina kills her dad, Maggie, mom, covers that shit up. She, yeah. instead of instead of going and getting help or seeking help for anything that happened, she realizes her kid is going to be too traumatized. So she, instead, she just decides to get rid of the cheating bastard's body or the sick pedophile's body, which is what she thinks he is in that moment. So she, like, cleans everything up, buries him in the backyard in the garden, um, and then, like, pretends as if he just went away. Like, he just packed his stuff to go have another life somewhere else and left, which is kind of what Nina thought was going to happen anyway before she went crazy. Mm-hmm. So Maggie not only covered that death up, but then when Nina did it again to Sally Ann, she also covers that one up by showing up, ignoring the poor dying girl that's literally asking for help. She's saying, save baby over and over again. Mm-hmm. And Maggie just walks out, goes to John, puts the knife around him, splats, splatters blood around him so it looks like he did it, puts it all over his clothes that are on the floor, and literally injects him with a whole bunch of heroin that he was taking in the moment um, to try and have like a double suicide or murder-suicide case, except John lived. So Maggie is very much so covering the tracks of her daughter in an effort to just protect her and keep her out of trouble. Helicopter parent. Mm-hmm. Majorly. So we've got lie number one was hiding the death of Alistair and telling her that he had left. Lie number two, well, we haven't talked about lie number two yet. So we did talk about um, Nina getting pregnant. Nina was pregnant twice. She was pregnant the first time. Um, before she met John Hunter, she got pregnant and Maggie decided it was best to slip her some medication that would induce a miscarriage. Um, Without Nina's awareness, she just put it in her drink, in her juice, and Nina had a miscarriage. And when she had her miscarriage, Maggie told her, the reason you had a miscarriage is because you have a certain genetic defect that will cause this to happen every time you get pregnant. And if your baby does go to full term, it's going to most likely die soon after delivery because of this genetic um, disorder you have. She told her she got it from her dad and that was her attempt to keep her teenage daughter who had just uh, in her, in Nina's world at the time, thought her father had left her. It triggered some abandonment issues. She went off the deep end, was you know promiscuous, um, got very active in, uh, look at this. Baby, I haven't even finished the first drink. Yes. What about food? Hi, Greg. Casseroles in the oven. Casseroles in the oven. Um, This is after he worked all day in Huntsville, drove home, took over baby duties. Took the sunfish. Made a casserole, made a casserole, and brought you a drink. This is, is this what I'm hearing? And Stephanie's taking pictures of birds all day. (laughs) Anyways, as I was saying, uh, (laughs) 
yeah, yeah, he's great. Um, what was I saying? Where was I? Oh, uh, the, the genetic deformity. All right, so so Nina yeah. thinks her father's left her, triggers her abandonment issues, and she goes off the deep end. She starts sleeping around, um, gets pregnant. She slips through the abortion pills. She has her miscarriage. Tells her it's a genetic de- deformity uh, disorder that she has that will always happen to her babies. Um, and that was lie number two that she told Nina in an attempt to keep her. Well, I guess that was two lies in one. You had a miscarriage and um, you have a disorder. Your babies will always, this will always yeah. happen to your children. So stop, stop sleeping around. That was, you know, line number four was covering up for her murder of Sally Ann, where she told her that uh, John had killed Sally Ann and John was going to prison. We're up to four and we're only in the third plot twist. Second plot twist. Second. Mm-hmm. A very, a, a, a twisted story of misguided love is what this is, as you will find. Yes. Very misguided yeah. love. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, and just not like being honest. Like, I think that's my most annoyance with this book. It's like, I really got like, I know you guys are gonna be like, what? Like this Romeo and Juliet vibes. Like, you know, like Juliet only kills herself because Romeo doesn't realize in time, like they don't read the damn note. Like just read the note that he sent you. Like it's so, and that's how I feel like this book is like, they're just missing each other by this much. Like if you just would say, Hey, this is what happened. Like, it's just, it's, it's, it kind of got like annoying. Like I listened to it two times. The second time I was annoyed. Cause I'm like, come on, Maggie. Like you did this to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're protecting this psychotic bitch and she's psychotic. Yeah. Um, yes. But she is. But also Maggie does do a lot of awful things, to be honest. True. That that puts her in these positions. Um, you know, I guess, is this, so we talked about the abortion pills. That's one of the plot twists in here that she gave her the abortion pills that, that forced her to lose her first child. Um, she told her that her, you know, her kids, she was never going to be able to have normal kids. And that was in an attempt to keep her from having sex. Um, and when she does, say that to when Nina and her finally do yeah Nina starts going off on Maggie about hey I found out all these things which I know we'll get into I'm not trying to get too far into it but um when Nina starts going off on Maggie about everything that happened she's like mom why you just put me on birth control like why was that not the option and in Maggie's mind she's like you wouldn't have listened um so just frustrating things like that like you make your kid listen like she's 14 years old you know you put you put miscarriage pills in her food you can't put birth control pills in her food Mm -hmm. like it was just, it, I felt like there was, a, like you said, misguided for mm-hmm. sure. Um, she definitely enabled her daughter to be a psycho. And then it turned on her. Well, she did more than also the abortion pills. Like, because Nina gets pregnant again, right? Yep. This is when Mr. John Hunter comes into play. And the she's hiding it from Maggie for a long time. Maggie has no clue until she goes into labor with the baby. And that's when she realized, oh, crap, I can't like give her an abortion thing where we have to birth this child. So as soon as the baby's born, Maggie pretends like the baby died and takes the baby and puts it in a basement somewhere by itself and then finishes dealing with Nina um, and then does all of these terrible things to Nina afterwards, like keeps her comatose for weeks at a time so that nobody is aware of what's going on. So so, so uh, Nina is not aware that her child is still alive that her baby's being cared for by her mother, that she's being put up for an illegal adoption with this other family. And the whole time Nina thinks that her baby died because she has this genetic disorder, which is really disturbing and messed up to think about. Like that does something mentally to somebody more so than anything that Nina, granted Nina goes psycho and, and hits people with stuff. But but that is some serious psychological bullcrap that definitely... Mm-hmm cause Nina to go through her spirals in a more 
impactful way later. What what really bothered me was Maggie telling her that she buried. So Nina believed that her child was a girl and she had named her Dylan after Bob Dylan because dad was a rock star, you know. So Dylan was the name of her baby girl that she believed passed. And Maggie told her that she buried her in the backyard in the garden. And Maggie would go out and sit, not Maggie, Nina would go out and sit by this grave. And that's where she visited her, her, what she believed to be her dead child. And that just kind of didn't sit right with me. Cause number one, that's where her dad was buried, you know? And then two, Mm -hmm. like, can you imagine looking out the window, watching your child mourn their, their, their baby that passed and just watching her go through that? I mean, that's Mm -hmm. a serious grief. Like, it to take and she's 15 at the time when she gives birth and believes she's lost her child so i mean grown women with you know the, like with other children and and other life experiences losing a child rocks them to their core put a 15 mm-hmm. year old in there who has no support from her partner who believes her father left her and who then spends a year being drugged by her mother and comatose and it's like what well, you mean but it's hard. It's like, it's easy to say, oh, that's why Nina snapped. But, you know, Nina did snap before all this happened. So she obviously had something going on. But I mean, no wonder her issues ran yeah. so deep. Maggie Dunn mm-hmm. fucked up. Yeah. Maggie Dunn well, it, and up. Nina didn't technically snap on her mom for like 20 something yep. years or 19 years, I think was the whole, the magic number was 19 years. So Nina for, you know, when she, she had the miscarriage, she had the baby that was, that, that died was actually put it for adoption. And then after that, she, she kind of calms down. Her mom got her under control. So she ends up basically living at home with her mother until she is 36 years old, thinking she has no children. She could never have any children. She could never have a life. Um, And I actually, when I was listening to it the second time, I, I wanted to pinpoint the moment when Nina realized that there was something off, like as far as with her mom, that her mom might've been hiding something from her. And it's whenever she goes to the doctor and she wants to get on antidepressants and she's at the doctor and she's talking to, to the doctor about going on an antidepressant. And he's like, well, why do you want to go on them? And she says, she just can't get, she can't get her feelings under control. She can't get anything under control. Um, but she's like, I don't want anything strong because I was on them when I was younger and, um, and they knocked me out. And he's like, that's weird. They shouldn't knock you out. So he's looking and he's like, oh, you were never on anything. And that's what initially triggers her to be like, whoa, I was on this. This is my mom told me I was on this for a while. Um, so, and I remember thinking too, like imagining that this is what Nina's seeing. So Nina goes into the house later and she's already got these thoughts in her mind that all these, all these things that have been going on in her life were, were kind of planted by her mother. And she gets home and her mom's sitting on the couch, like watching TV, just like enjoying life, like laughing at a show. And Nina's like, it's building right mm-hmm. then. And I'm just like, and I can, and again, I know, I know it's all wrong, but I can feel it from Nina's perspective. Cause she's like, I'm almost 40 years old mm-hmm. and I've thought this whole life that this was my life. My mom's just chilling on the couch, acting like, you know, life is normal. Um, and that's when, when things start to spiral for Nina. She doesn't, everything doesn't go into plan right then. But I just remember that moment when she sees her mom on the couch, just like chilling. And that's when it kind of snaps for Nina. I think it's worth mentioning here while we're in this period where Nina has yet to snap on Maggie. So she's still living at home with her. She's still trying to move on with her life. And those the pills that Maggie was giving her to keep her comatose, one of the side effects, they actually ended up taking it off the market. One of the side effects was early menopause and she did send Nina into early menopause. So her, her options of having a natural, you know, child of her own were completely dismantled by Maggie. And so Nina starts going through the adoption process and keeps it from her mom, starts working it through it. 
Eventually she finds out and Maggie thwarts her attempts at adoption uh, by basically saying she doesn't believe she would be a fit parent to the adoption agency. So they withdraw her application and she can no longer adopt a child. And we know why Maggie felt that was the right thing to do because we know Maggie's perspective, but there was just, that was just one more time where a conversation could have happened. You know, at that point, Nina was old enough to handle the information. She was old enough to know the truth about herself. She was well beyond the age of knowing the truth about herself. And Maggie just kept digging that hole, digging that hole, giving this person who obviously had psychotic issues, one more reason to get pissed off. One more reason to snap when she found out the truth. She kept digging her hole. Mm-hmm. And I will say Nina, she, she actually like waited till she had all the information. Like I'll give her the benefit yeah. of the doubt. Like Nina didn't just snap. She waited until she did her research. She got the, the paternity test. Like she did the whole I guess is that maternity test, whatever, to make sure that Dylan was her son and all that, um, which I know we need to talk about how she met Dylan and all that good stuff. But she waited until she had what she thought were the facts because that was all the information she was given. And then she snapped. So again, I'm not saying that it was cool. She snapped, but her just, she was set up for that for sure. <laughs> I mean, how are you supposed to react? Well, didn't she, um, well, when she went and dug up her dad's body in the yard, that's what, spiraled at all correct like that's what caused her to be like let me dig up what's in this backyard she no, found stuff wrong? in the basement this is why i'm not chiming in <laughs> she went into the basement oh in the basement stuff. oh yeah. okay yeah. after exactly. the doctor appointment oh, she okay. went down there to look for stuff and that was when she found everything yeah oh yeah well okay. even after the doctor appointment and then she saw, you know when she met dylan like you know i guess we could talk yeah. about yeah, dylan too dylan. oh that was all after yeah all right so dylan Dylan, Dylan, Dylan. Okay, so Dylan is, he actually finds Nita, Nina through Facebook. He hunts her out. He has been adopted at this point. He is, um, he's in his 20s. He has a happy family. He is in a well-to-do family. So he's got, he's financially set. He's a journalist um, and he's loving life. Um, Dylan finds Nina. Really, he thinks though that Nina is actually his sister because he has uncovered his birth certificate um, and his birth certificate actually has Maggie listed as his mother and the father is unknown. So his whole life, he thinks that Maggie is his mother and he seeks Nina out on Facebook where they become friends. And he finally tells her, Hey, I think we're related. I think you're my sister. Nina immediately assumes that this is her father who is still alive, having a life elsewhere who has now had another child and this child has been left by her dad as well. So she's going to bond with her brother. Who's also fatherless. And then she finds out when she is sitting with him, it dawns on her as he's talking about some of his characteristics and she sees him for the first time. She realizes this is not, this is not Maggie's child. This is my Dylan. This is my daughter. Who's actually a boy and is happy and living right in front of my face. Um, Dylan, unfortunately, creates a very close relationship with Nina because obviously this is his mom and he wants to have a relationship with her. Maggie or Nina does eventually tell him all about the things that Maggie did. Um, the fact that she told him that he was dead and that it was a girl. She um, that um, Maggie had him had to have him adopted. Just the horrible things that happened to Nina. She did share all of that with Dylan. So Dylan is fully aware of the relationship that Maggie and her have from Nina's perspective, which I thought was interesting. Um, and then later 
Somebody want to chime in? Or am I just going to keep speaking? Well, she, she he, well, of course, she leaves out the part where she's now locked his grandmother in the attic. She tells him his grandparents have passed. Right. Um. So he's under the impression, you know, he has mm-hmm. no more family left on that side. You know. So she leaves out the little tidbit that you know, old grandma's locked up in the attic. Um, because that was, you know, at she meets Dylan, everything kicks off. Maggie gets locked in the attic for uh, what should have been or was intended for twenty one years. Which was how much of her life she stole. Mm-hmm. 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 So then, okay, Dylan's like, "Hey, mom, you're a little much, you yeah." Know, because Nina starts you to exhibit much. some some possessive issues um, again. That that abandonment starts to show for her that fear of you know everyone she loves leaving her. So she starts to harass Dylan. They and and. And John Morris does a really good job of dropping in just little nuggets about how psycho Nina could be. So, you know, mentioning if he didn't reply to text after five minutes, she would start calling, you know, and it was, but it was subtle the way it would happen. It wasn't, um, and and so you, you get little droplets of, okay, Nina has like some control freak and some possessiveness issues and, and, and Dylan starts to draw back from her a little bit, which of course makes Nina go right up on him because she has a fear of him leaving her. Can we backtrack real quick about Nina's possessiveness? Because when she goes to do the adoption and she has to talk about her past partners and she mentions her failed relationships and how she becomes like kind of psycho and like he got mad because I would show up at his work unannounced or very mm-hmm. so I would show up at his house at all hours of night. So I stopped going at 3 a.m. Things like that that were and it was just a very brief little moment. So like what you just said, it was. John does a good job of just tiny little things. You're just kind of like, wait a minute, what? That's, you don't do that. Like, I just With no accountability, no self-awareness well, on none's uh, part. None. Where none. was Maggie whenever uh, Nina was having other boyfriends? Like I always thought, that was, I guess a plot hole to me is like, Nina had a relationship with two other guys and you don't hear about, Mag- I guess, was Maggie locked up at that point? No. When Nina had these other two relationships? Yeah. So Maggie doesn't interfere with those, which is interesting. At least you don't hear about it in the book. She doesn't interfere in those relationships, which still ends up shitty for Nina because she's obviously a psycho. But um, but I just thought it was interesting that you don't hear about Maggie anywhere in those two relationships. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When she's been so, you know, involved throughout it. So so good old Dylan um, makes the the grave error of um well actually let me back up a little bit so so nina takes her obsession with dylan to the next level and his name is actually bobby he prefers to go by bobby but nina does not call him bobby she refuses his name is dylan so we're going to keep calling him dylan um she goes to his actual biological parents house shows up at mom's his his not biological his adoptive parents house shows up at his adoptive mother's birthday party Makes a scene, super awkward. Her intention is to try to drive a wedge between him and his adoptive family so that he would come live with her. Dylan, of course, does not go for this. He's he's sensing her obsession, starts to draw back from her. So Nina calls him one night. Um, and this part was so interesting to me. She calls him threatening to hurt herself if he doesn't answer the phone and talk with her. But whenever Dylan shows up at the house and mentions that to her, she's like, Oh, I forgot I did that. Like, I didn't even realize yeah. I had called you. <laughs> she had these breaks like that. It was no awareness. That just blew my mind how unself aware she was. Um, so Dylan makes the mistake of, of course, he hears this phone call from his biological mom is where she's going to hurt herself. So he shows up at her house and happens to walk into, and we're kind of skipping around because there's so much that happens between 
the start of the book and now, but this is one of the plot twists that Nina ends up um, imprisoning Dylan when he shows up at the house, sees Maggie in chains, puts all the pieces together, starts to take Maggie out of the house. And Nina goes into one of her psychosis moments where she hits him in the head with the chain and the cuff. Like Indiana Jones. The Indiana Jones shit, like yeah. swings that That's shit. That's exactly you know what that I hurt. thought. Just like, <laughs> you know that hurt. Yeah. And he's like dragging yeah. his body away down the stairs. Yes. Like, can you just imagine? Oh my God. Well, and they talk about the sound when it hits, like yeah. the thump and the crack. I'm like, The oh, wet crunch, crunch yeah. you know? Yeah. Yes, the wet crunch. <laughs> Which ended up damaging his eye for, uh, permanently, as for as long as the rest of, yeah. for the rest of his life, which was short. So Dylan ends up becoming imprisoned in the basement by Nina. Maggie's in the attic. Dylan's in the basement. And Nina is so happy to have her family with three generations under one roof. This bitch. (laughs) All right. That's plot twist number what? Four? (laughs) He's like Quasimodo down there. And she talks about how she's like, she doesn't mind if sometimes he doesn't speak to her, which is okay. She just likes that he's there. So it's like. It's okay if he's mad at me. Like, he's imprisoned. Yeah, she mentions how she has to keep him cuffed, hands and ankles, yeah. um, and how because he's strong. She has to stay a certain strong. distance from him because he's strong and like so. It's like she has these. It's like aware enough to keep doing what she's doing, but she keeps that separation there so she doesn't really truly acknowledge how psychotic she is having her family chained up. And that's that's what always and like when she's. Talking about the dinner she has with Maggie. So Maggie's been locked up, you know, for two years in this upstairs attic, only comes down and has dinner with her, you know, twice a week, something like that. Um, and I'm like, if if Maggie's not talkative at dinner, I mean, it's like, what, what's wrong with mom? Like, why is she not talking to me? Like, she literally acts like mm-hmm. her mom shouldn't be pissed at her for all this. She really, in Nina's mind, she truly thinks that Maggie deserves everything that is happening to her. Um, and I actually don't see this in her, maybe it is somewhere, but Maggie ends up getting cancer. So cancer, breast cancer runs in her, her mother's, in her, in her family. Um, so even, you know, when Maggie ends up finding some lumps in her chest, she thinks like, this is my way out. Like Nina is for sure going to like, know that this is going to get me. It's killed my mother. It killed my grandmother. Like, this is my way out, out of this, um, you know, imprisonment. Um, and instead that is not what, what Nina does, <laughs> you know, instead she, um, Decide she's going to give her like herbs and things like that. So it's just Nina is just literally in her own world this whole time. Even when things are being thrown at her in her face and it's and it's you know real to her, she she literally just to your point, Stephanie, she just sucks it back and says, "Okay, well, this is how I'm going to approach the situation." Um, mm-hmm. Rosie, what do you think? <laughs> I see you guys. You guys really like this book, huh? You, <laughs> you did it. Wait, I don't want to know yet. Don't tell me. No, I don't want to know yet. Yeah, I. Uh, I mean, you guys are doing a real good job. I. Um, this is another scenario where I don't love retelling the story because I didn't love the story. Oh. So I'm gonna let you guys handle it. I'll chime in when I have something shitty or cool to say, and then I'll just shine later on when it's my time for her one segment. For her one segment. So the only other thing I want to say as part of our our major big twist part is we kind of talk about her very briefly, but Elsie, the neighbor next door, mm-hmm. you learn that Elsie was very much so a part of the Dylan component. She knew that Nina killed Alistair because Maggie confides in her and tells her all of the information. She confides in the fact that Nina has gotten pregnant and that she has told her about a disorder and then taken the baby that she's raising in the basement. 
Um, the neighbor, Elsie, does come over, comes to the basement, helps her care for the baby for several days or weeks. Like, I don't even remember how long that the baby was there, um, but does sit there and help take care of it and even finds the family who adopts Dylan. Um, she was the one that brought them into the equation. So this whole time that all of this shit is going down, here is little miss sweet neighbor next door who likes to stalk people from her windows, who's 100% aware of the dysfunction next door. And when Maggie goes missing, doesn't do shit. How is that possible? How did she not once throw the alarm? Well, let, let, let's talk about how Maggie goes missing. Because that's important. How does how does Nina is important. hide Maggie is. away from the rest of the world so that she can lock her in an attic for two years? When Nina does her research, you know, she's, she, you know, for a while, Nina... It acts like she doesn't know what's going on, but this whole time she is gathering evidence and, and trying to realize like what her mom has done to her in her life. So when she finally realizes that Nina decides that she, that wasn't a word realizes it, um, Nina decides to use some of the same medication that her mom used on her. And this is again, how like conniving Nina was that she tested the medication knowing that it was 13 years old, that same medication her mom used on her. She tested it to see how, reactive it was going to be um, and use it on herself. And it knocked her out. So she was like, yes, I'm going to use this on my mom. Um, so she decides uh, that she's going to start, you know, putting her mom into comatose state. Um, and that's how Nina gets her mom into this pliable, you know, mode to get her into, get her into imprisonment. Um, she tells people initially um, that she has flu. I think she says she's got the flu or flu like symptoms. And that's why her mom's not at work. Um, and then I can't remember exactly how, oh, this is what it is. She says that whenever um, some of the mom's work friends, so the mom worked at the surgery center forever. She was a receptionist there. So think about it. The receptionist, everybody sees you, everybody talks to you. They all you know, know when you're not there. So Nina calls in sick for her mom at work. Um, and some of the work friends come to visit Maggie, want, you know, saying, hey, we're bringing you some soup, bring you some flowers, see what's going on. And that's whenever Nina tells them that Maggie was suffering from many strokes um, and kind of set that stage that she had those mini strokes and it calls the, what was it? Vascular dementia, which I didn't mm -hmm. Google to see what that's about, but vascular dementia, I'm assuming that's a, when you like lose blood flow, I'm assuming that's what that is. You get dementia from that. I don't know. Um, anyways, good. that's what she ends up telling them she has. And that's how Nina's able to keep her, her mom in, you know, in custody. Um, she tells them that once her mom gets out of the hospital, she's going to live with her sister, which is Nina's aunt. Um, who actually has MS and is not doing watching her at all, um, but tells them that Nina's or Maggie's going to live with her sister. So she can take care of her. And that kind of keeps people from coming to visit and things like that. Um, but that's so Nina very well thought out this whole plan to to entrap her mom. Um, and and when I was listening to it again, I listened to the part where her mom wakes up and kind of starts to realize what's happening. Um, and she wakes up and she feels like her head is stuck to the pillow and doesn't realize why she's in this fog and things like that. Um, and, uh, Rosie. <laughs> of all the times to hand it off to her <laughs> mid sentence on a tangent, only, you know, where you're going. I know. Cause I was like, where am I going? Rosie? <laughs> <laughs> what, what part of my face looks like I have coherent thoughts. That's why I picked you. Um, okay, Sam, you were saying she wakes up, her head feels like it's stuck to the yes. pillow. Her, yes. And I mean, I can, I can keep going. I just wanted someone else to pick up so I don't talk forever. Um, 
Yeah, but Maggie, she um, she starts waking up from this fog that she's been in because her daughter's been, been giving her these pills. Again, very similar to what Maggie was doing to Nina is how is how Nina gets Maggie into this pliable state. Um, and when Maggie finally starts coming to, she thinks she's had a stroke, actually, and tells her daughter to call mm-hmm. call the ambulance. Um, and Nina's just like, no, no, mom, everything's fine. She fades in and out. Um, and when Maggie finally comes to, um, she realizes she's been chained up. She realizes she's in her bedroom. Um, and very quickly is when they actually confront each other is whenever Nina goes ahead and tells her mom, this is why you're locked up. Like, these are all the things I think you did. I think you killed my dad. You caught me, caused me to have a miscarriage. Um, she doesn't know about the Sally Ann part. In fact, I guess Nina never really knows that part. Um, but that's whatever, that is the time to have the conversation, Maggie, if you're ever going to get out of your Mm -hmm. chains, like that's when you say, Hey, this is what happened. (laughs) Um, but in Maggie's mind, all she cares about, even whenever she has been drugged by her daughter, even whenever Maggie has this dreaded feeling that, Oh no, I'm, I'm trapped by my daughter. And I know my daughter is psycho. She still can't tell Nina what is going on. She still can't be truthful with her. Um, and again, that is just what leads to, to Maggie's demise is she can't just be truthful and, and tell her what actually happened. Um, and a part of it's because Maggie's scared. You know, she's afraid that if she tells Nina what happened, that Nina's going to have that psychotic break and she's trapped. So Maggie's mm-hmm. like, fuck, I can't say anything because if I do and she realizes she's a psycho, then she might get real. Yeah. Some of the stuff that she did to like prep um, Maggie for her imprisonment in the attic. Cause this isn't, they had like refinished the attic in the basement. They were like the only ones in the neighborhood with it. So it was like kind of a cool thing, but she hired all of these contractors to come into the house while her mom was comatose for several weeks and had like special padded things put in the walls as if her son was a drummer and she didn't want to hear him anymore. So they totally soundproofed the attic, um, got the bathroom thing installed up there, got the windows double paned with like, um, uh, what are the slotted curtain things that you, they're not mm. curtains, but you know, shutters, shutters, um, to where they, they don't move. So they're stuck where no one can see in, but she can see little slits out so she can like peer at the world. She can't be a part of, um, gets the double pane or triple pane windows that can never break shatterproof she break ones. Those. She can't get through them. Um, she does so many crazy things. She gets, she hires a contractor to come in and put a bolt in the middle of the fucking room and nobody asks questions. Why are you putting a random giant ass bolt in the middle of your attic room? Um, and then she gets like chains attached and she brings a locksmith in to do it. Why is no one questioning what is happening in this woman's attic? What is she locking in there? A fucking dragon? Like seriously, why did no one say anything to that? Well, well, didn't she order the chains off like this fetish website? Mm-hmm. So I guess she might have like made it out to be like, oh, this is for my sex room. Mm-hmm. You know, is what I was thinking, like soundproof room, chains on the floor, like it's a sex room. So do people do that all the time? Every like, Tuesday they have night, to do all the time for the locksmith. Well, like for the locksmith not to out all oh. be like phased in any way, shape, or form, you know? Like, oh yeah, it's just a normal <laughs> day in the it's just a Tuesday, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Um, let's talk about the change. There were two. One chain was only long enough for Nina to walk around her room, not to all of the walls. Um, we're going to talk about that in just a minute, why she couldn't reach all of the walls, but it would allow her to get to the door and open the door, but she couldn't go out in the hallway, um, of her upstairs landing. She could only, what's up, Nessie? Okay. Where's Roseanne going? The pickle sled is off. Um, 
So she could only get to the door. She couldn't open it and go out in her own hallway. She couldn't get to the bathroom. Then she had a second chain, which was long enough for her to, A, reach her bathroom for her twice weekly baths, and B, make it downstairs to the dining room where she would have dinner with Nina every other night. Um, But she stayed chained either with the shortened chain or the long 24-7. And she would just alternate which chain was on her depending on what was happening and – that would just be pretty much a pain in the ass. So, so Nina, it's important to note, uh, Maggie could not always reach the bathroom. When she had the short chain, she couldn't make it to her own bathroom. So she used a bucket in her room. Um, and I think that's a great place to jump into some of the ways Maggie was psychologically tortured by Nina. Can I say really quick that bucket um, I made a note about that bucket. It's the same bucket that her mom used to pull out to give to Nina to throw up in. Um, she'd get the old nasty blue bucket from under the sink and bring it to her when she was having her little like drunken throw up sessions or vomit sessions or whatever. So it's the same nasty blue bucket that she now turns. Is it into at least a five gallon? That's what I want to know. I, like, I would, don't know. Did, could she sit on it like a toolet or like what was the? I don't think it was a five gallon. Could you imagine? Your little ass sitting on one of those all the time to like do your thing, and she'd cover it with like a little rag so that she didn't have to smell her own like excrement. Well, none of us have little asses, so I would be curious. (laughs) No, it would be painful. I I actually, I used to sit on a five gallon bucket when I would milk my goat. Um, I didn't always have a a stool to sit on, Um, so I if I or if I I did whatever for whatever reason, I would sit on a five gallon bucket. Let me just fucking tell you what does not feel good to sit on for a long period of time. So, yeah. Uh, well, and let's just put it in perspective. She wasn't sitting on the solid end. She was sitting on the open end. The open end. So imagine mm-hmm. pooping so while I, you're sitting on an open bucket with your butt cheeks spread or I don't even know. Like I splayed. use one of those when we go out on the Visualize boat. Visualize that, guys. Yeah. I yeah, use that on the boat. Like, it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's my it. – that's my that's my pee bucket. I definitely use one of those on the boat. And then you just like dump it in the water and rinse it out in the salt water. You know what? That's a great day. idea because that was my yeah. whole debacle. So I've been fishing with Brett and I'm like, what happens when I have it's to our pee? Shrimp and I've bucket. been holding it for hours, mm. like hours, which is not me. Like I struggle. We'll get shrimp in our bucket with our little live well thingy in it. And then we'll dump it into the actual live well on the boat. And then that bucket becomes my pee bucket. And I just like get down to the bottom of the boat. Because I used to hang my ass over the side. And guys, I got a big ass. Everybody on the lake or out on the water can totally tell what I'm doing because it's dangling off the side of the boat. So it became important to have an actual bucket to sit on. Hmm. So I'm not hating on a bucket. While you're talking about the bucket real quick at the bathroom, one of the things that I know we'll talk about, the, the different psychological things, and Maggie did try to escape a couple times, but while we're talking about the bucket, one of the things um, that, that set off to me too is that you know, she's sitting in the room with her filth. So, you know, she's shitting and pissing in this bucket and, um, you know, Maggie gives her food or Nanny gives her food. Doesn't always agree with her. So she's got diarrhea. Let's be real. She's diarrheaing in this bucket. And she used to have <laughs> some air freshener that would like, you know, freshen up the room. You're sitting in this, this room with pee and poop. Uh, and she used it one time to spray Nina in the face. And so she was not allowed to have it anymore. So I just imagine she's sitting in this room with like this horrible stomach pain. So All just- right, let's talk mm-hmm. about some of the torture incidents between Nina and Maggie. Um, so we've got one where um, Nina took Maggie's pillows from her because Nina hid a nail file in her pillowcase because she could use that. She was trying to use that to pick her lock. So she got no soup for you. 
Um, <laughs> she made she would intentionally make her food with gluten in it to aggravate her gluten allergy and make her diarrhea in her bucket or just make food generally. I feel like I remember reading that she just didn't like period. Um, she laced her smoothie with something that gave her diarrhea more gluten intolerance. It was laxative. She gave her, oh, she gave her actual laxatives. Oh, what did she do to make her shit her brains out? What did she do that for? I don't remember that part. Any reason? Just do it. Oh, okay. She surprised surprise surprise diarrhea. Oh, here's a smoothie. (laughs) You're going to love this smoothie. Enjoy it. And then she laced it. That's rude. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, She tricked Maggie into thinking she left her phone on the table. So uh, Maggie was thinking, oh, yeah, I'm going to grab her phone. And then there was no SIM card in it. It was just like that psychological, oh, yeah, I'm escaping. But no, bitch, you're not. Psych. Yeah. (laughs) Um, she would leave her bucket all stinky and nasty, not changing it out as punishment for misbehaving. So she had to smell her nasty, smelly. And then there was one thing I wanted to ask y'all about the orange scented freshener. Um, yes, that's from his car. Citrus. It was just another way to, yeah. Yeah. And it was just another way to torture Alistair's car. Mm So okay. Alistair used to have a air freshener in the car that smelled and it just reminded her of him. So every time she had to get in the car, she thought about him. So gotcha. when, when Nina found out about that, she'd force there to be the citrus smell, which Maggie hated because it reminded her of Alistair. So it and was when she rinsed, bucked up when Maggie head. rinsed Nina off one time after, I can't remember if it was mm-hmm. a Sally Ann killing, she like specifically mentioned a citrusy smelling soap or something. So... I was like, um, yeah. do you like everything citrusy in that house or something? Like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. All the bad memories are. <laughs> um, not allowing her to wear underwear or pants because she couldn't get them over the chain. So she's raw dogging it up there in the attic. Um, she would bring her books. Which? What? <laughs> if I'm being fair. Are any of us even I, wearing I, underwear? I right love now? not wearing so underwear. Is that really a punishment? I mean, my, my shorts have built-in underwear. <laughs> I mean, I'm wearing underwear right now. I'm wearing I would, leggings I would like, without. So. I mean, that's different. Like, imagine you're not wearing your leggings and you're not wearing, like, you're constantly, no matter what you're doing, never able to wear underwear ever again. You're just in a moo moo well, all day? That she's always good. in a, yeah, a dress. Her legs are always that's rubbing nice. together. Thighs. Always. You're assuming she's <laughs> thick day. like we are with thighs that rub. Maybe she's got, a, 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 like, a thigh gap and never has the issue. She's Ugh, 60. Same. She ain't got no thigh gap. She's old. She she might not. She's very, <laughs> they talk about her being like a shriveling up thing over time. So I'm just saying. Um, Maggie, you know, she, or no, Nina worked at the library. So she would bring her Maggie books. Um, but she would only bring her ones to fuck with her. Like ones about escaping or being locked. Oh no, she would, but ones about being locked up. But then if there was a part about escaping, she would rip the pages out so that she couldn't get any like swift ideas. Um, which if we talk about that really fast, um, so I used to work at a library, right? So they have a lot of them have like that. When's the last time you went to a library? So they, they're not like old school anymore where you will, there's freaking metal detectors and shit that go off when you cross the line. And it's because all the books now have like these tags in them that are electronic. So if you go through the book detector, you get called out. Um, so she would be like the person who'd stock the shelves, would find like the latest new cool book and rip out all the pieces of it and then hide it for later so she could bring it home and never return it because she doesn't like to borrow. She doesn't like things to leave, including the books that she gives to Maggie. She keeps them in her house on all these shelves. It's just part of her other 
weird inabilities to let things go. Um, back up on the incidents of torture, we've got uh, Nina taped a picture of her dad up on the wall out of Maggie's reach. So she would just be forced to stare at his face and she couldn't rip it down or rip it up into shreds or anything like that. Um, Nina also tricked Maggie into thinking she was on camera for the first two weeks. I don't remember that part. So if anyone has a snippet to add. She just had a little fake. Oh, that's right. It was literally right. a fake camera up in the, in the thing. And she kept trying to knock it down. Never could. But one day it just fell and she realized there was no lens, no nothing. It was just a blinking right. light with a battery. So it was just another way that, that Maggie, uh, Nina was just fucking with her. Just fucking with good old mom. You know. <laughs> I can just, I just, it, it's interesting because all these different things she did, um, and I know there's a couple of more, but was she just like sitting down on the couch thinking up, well, what can I do to fuck with mom? Cause like, this is her mother we're talking about, you know? It, you, there were several times where I actually pictured like Angela, our mom, like I could, you can't help it, but put yourself in those yeah. shoes. And I was like, wow, like. You're right. Like that was her her mother. Like yeah, she did some some very messed up things to her. But like there was moments where Nina would like wake up and be like, oh, you know, this is my mom. Like and she'd have like tender feelings briefly, and then she'd remember like, oh, my mom did this to me. Um, but yeah, it is when you think about perspective. She it was her mother at the end of the day. I felt that way, Sammy. When you know we found out Maggie had breast cancer, and from Nina's perspective, we heard her talk about, you know, I'm really worried about that lump. You know, like she was worried about it for her mom, but the whole time I was thinking like, why bitch, you don't care. But I guess like she really did care. Um, it was just in her really sick, fucked up way. Um, anyways, that was, yeah. My dad. Did she, did she care or was she more like worried that now Maggie was probably going to potentially leave her? She was going to die soon and she was going to be left without having somebody to be around her. That's what I was thinking. I didn't think it was oh, that probably. she was sad that Maggie was going to like die uh, or anything because I think that was her ultimate goal. I think she was now just sad that she wasn't going to be around for 20 years for her to torture her for 20 more years. Oh, that's probably more. And she almost, well, she already, she kind of had Dylan there as like a, well, when Maggie dies, because mm-hmm. she knew she was dying from yeah. cancer, knew it was going to happen. Well, now I'll have Dylan, so it's not so bad, um, mm-hmm. which we can't forget to circle back. To what happens in the very end. We yeah. haven't discussed that, but yeah, we can keep going through these. Uh... Sammy, you actually gasped. Did you have something you want to say? Well, well I was going to say there was one, one point where Nina actually debated killing her mom whenever she was out. So, you know, Nina, before she, she put her mom in imprisonment, she did drug her and she actually had this thought like, I could just kill her and I could bury her right next to Alistair and my whole family could be here forever. Um, so she did have those moments where she was like, oh, I'm going to kill her. But then she's like, nah, I'd rather torture her for 19 years. It's um, <laughs> like a lot of energy. Goals. Ha- hashtag goals. Yeah. <laughs> right? Never I actually was you just said, who has the energy? Like, seriously. Yeah. Is, yeah. This is like taking care of another infant that you've got to just monitor all the time for 20 years. This is not... It's exhausting. And maybe it's because she didn't get to be a mom. She's just unaware of really what kind of bullshit she's about to dive into. But that's a lot. I'd rather totally kill you and be done with it and move on. Right? I, I honestly I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, Nina, like, yeah. why would you not just yeah. Yeah. move on? You know? She does her laundry. She cleans her shit mm-hmm. bucket. Like, mm-hmm. come on. Like, that, you, that takes some dedication. 
Makes her shitty meals. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, she also left all her clothes in her closet. She just can't wear them if they're not a dress or a wrap skirt. So she just got to look at all her clothes she used to wear and just reminisce about her old life. Um, on Maggie's locked up anniversaries, Nina would make her custom cakes. One year she had a um, cake decorated in prison bars. It's crafty. Mm-hmm. She did a cake one time too with a, a nail file in it, but it was like a, you know, like a nail file we use. Not like the metal yeah. ones you could stab somebody with, like shank them, but like an old nail file. Yeah. I didn't get the point of that. <laughs> she... It's she a joke. Just did That's what you that, would, it's a joke. Yeah. Um, That's what you she would did other stuff to her. Like, yeah. She would hide it in there. Like, oh, a, like, I couldn't, I didn't know what that meant. Yeah. Like she cut into the cake and there was a nail file. Like it didn't make sense, but you're saying, cause in prison you would like bake some people good to put contraband in there. So this is like a dig at being in prison. Okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. He yeah. was fucked up. <laughs> Oh, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She yeah. she well thought yeah. out everything she did. She that was a it. joke. Like, that was her joke. What <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> she does another part where they talk about how, because, um, like, she would leave these this food and just these random treats and things for her. So, like, she thought that the smoothie was going to be something great, and instead it gave her diarrhea. She also leaves her, like, some some gummy bears. Well, mm-hmm. they're not, I guess they're called wine gummies in England, but they're, like, gummy bears. And she's, like, so afraid to eat them because she thinks there's going to be, like, needles and shit inside of them. So she has to suck on them first to, like, <laughs> make sure there's nothing hard inside that's going to get her. Like, could you even imagine living life like that? Like, God, that's got to suck. Uh, let's see. She got beat with a barstool leg when she tried to escape. I guess Maggie swung first and then... Nina just went to town on her old mom, which that's a fuck job of all the things. I just like physically beating your mom. That's, that's sad. Mm -hmm. With a bar stool. With a bar stool. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. Let's see. Nina hit Maggie over the head with a wine bottle when she threw a plate at the window trying to escape. Uh, She knocked her out, chained her up to the bed around her torso and made her sleep in her own filth for two days. Thanks, daughter. Damn. Your mother chained to the bed so she couldn't move out of her own filth. You have to clean that after. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like that takes a lot of energy to care that much or to be willing to go through that much just to inflict it. At the same time, you're torturing yourself. So it's kind of like a weird Mm -hmm. dynamic there. The final, final one that I added after the outline that you guys didn't catch, but I did. Um, they played ABBA at dinner all the time because that was her dad's favorite band. Caught it, just didn't care. <laughs> um, I literally got zero reaction. <laughs> there was, there was. She also, also made her. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you go now. I was going to say she made her use plastic utensils. So, uh-huh. also, that's in the escape attempt. Also, yeah. Is it? What yes, is that? that was an escape attempt. Not psychological torture. That was an escape attempt. So we're going to zip you out. Um, There was one, and I wouldn't really call this psychological torture or more just, it's just fucked up. But like the time that Maggie thought that she would pick up the bucket and throw it at Nina with her filth in it, but she missed and kind of tripped and spilt it on herself on the floor. And Nina left that shit there, literally left that shit there for days wouldn't let her clean it up, wouldn't get her any supplies to clean it, and left that in her room. 
that's seeping into your carpet. That's like warping your hardwood floors. There was no carpet. It was a hardwood floors. Yeah, it actually wasn't even. It was it was the flooring, like paneling or something. Yeah. It wasn't even hardwood yeah. floors. Yeah, like plywood. She just ripped up carpet, like plywood. Yeah, she ripped up like plywood. Yeah, she ripped up. Ew, so that seeps down yes. in your plywood. Yeah, that's not going. Oh, anywhere. for sure. Yeah, I would. It's I would stained. call that psychological torture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't clean it. What are you cleaning it with? There's nothing to clean that with. Nothing. You can't clean mm-hmm. plywood. All, you know, urine out of plywood and diarrhea. Mm. Mm-mm. So let's no talk about really. let's talk about her escape attempts because Maggie never stopped trying to escape, never stopped. She did well, and it's funny too because for Nina, that was actually what kept Nina going too. That yep. as long as Maggie was still trying to escape, Nina was like, "All right, cool, like this is the thing we're doing." Like, yeah, she's still on. in this fucking game with me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, otherwise, she's still it, got that going. Otherwise, it'd just be sad. <laughs> well, and in fact, Nina. A couple times, like, give props to her mom, like, damn, good job, mom, for, like, hiding that from me for this long. Like, you know, silently she gives her props, uh, which is just, again, interesting, their whole <laughs> dynamics. Um, but some of the things Maggie did to try and escape is early on she stabbed she stabbed Nina with a fork. She's like, what the hell? I'm trying to get out of here. And, and Nina used to give her regular, you know, like, silverware. Um, and after that, she only got to use, well, for a while, she only got to use plastic utensils um, until, you know, eventually start again to use uh, silverware again. Um, she threw a plate at the dining room window, which I know we talked about Rosie, but the trick there was that Nina had all the windows replaced as shatterproof glass. So even if Nina tried to escape, she couldn't, or sorry, even if Maggie tried to escape, she couldn't. Um, Nina literally thought of everything. Um, you know, as she's pooping in her bucket and, and pissing and pooping all night long with her gluten allergy <laughs> and just shitting everywhere. Um, she used to have air freshener, like to help, you know, make the room smell nice. And one, one day when Nina came to check on her, Maggie's like, Shh, sprays her in the face. Nina takes it away from her. For now, she wishes to smell her her feces. Um, citrus, citrus air freshener too. Like not even a was good it smell. originally? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, she also tried to pick her ankle lock a couple times. Which duh, that's obviously one of the main things you're going to try and do is, is pick your ankle lock. Um, she tried to do it with a wire bra, which I got to give a nod to Savage Side because that's something the Savage Side girl did. She took her wire bra out and tried to stab somebody. Nina or Maggie tried to use it to um, pick into her lock. Um, and when she did, Nina decided that she was now going to wear what non-wired bras. I don't even are those more comfortable. So thanks, <laughs> Nina. Actually, like, <laughs> yay! <laughs> now I can wear t-shirt bras. Let them um, hang low. Right. <laughs> um, she also tried to pick her ankle lock with a hairpin, and it got stuck. Um, and that's actually one of the the psycho moments for Nina um, when Nina takes off the ankle. Um, lock from Maggie because she tried to pick it and she really it got stuck in there. She takes it off. Maggie's like, oh, I'm trying to get out of here. She kicks her right in the face. Um, and that leads into Nina having a psychotic break and literally beating her mother's head into the shower, which was intense. I'm sure we all imagine that. That was that was that was very intense. Um, in fact, <laughs> I know this is horrible, but I even imagine like I imagine this whole book is a movie. I don't know if you guys did too, but everything was like a movie to me. And when they're in the the shower, so you know Nina kicks her or Maggie kicks Nina. Maggie runs off. Nina throws her in the bathtub and Maggie's head falls back and hits the shower faucet. Um, and there was this moment where they all stop. We're like, Oh shit. Like she just hit her head. Like she just cracked her head open. This is about to be real. And then Nina feels, or Maggie feels it, pulls her hand back and there's no blood. And it just, they just go back to, you know, beating her ass. But I was, I could see that in a movie. Like there was a lot of movie moments for me. That was very um, family fact, guy when he's fighting the big, the big chicken. The chicken, chicken. yeah. And it goes yes. on for fucking 20 minutes. Yes. <laughs> That's the family guy exactly. chicken fight scene. <laughs> exactly. Um, 
one of her, or some of her last final attempts at trying to escape. Um, and I think I have this right. Did she find it? Was it a pin or a screw on the floor? And that's what she starts using. What was that that she started using? It's a piece out of the drain in the bathtub that she figures out how to okay. take apart the actual plug of the bathtub. And there's a little screw that holds the plug part in. And she uses this tiny little screw. People can't see what I'm doing, but I am making little, little tiny movements like I'm a baby. <laughs> She's scrawling away at the little wall piece to make a tiny hole in the soundproof barrier so she can scream loud enough for someone to hear her. Exactly. Yeah. And that would say that that was one of her ultimates. Like she really thought that this was her escape attempt. She really thought that she was going to get that little hole in the wall. Cause you remember Nina soundproofed everything, not only soundproofed it with several layers of, of plyboard, but also put egg cartons on the wall, which we know is, is for soundproofing. Um, so when Maggie would scrape a little hole, she'd go back and she'd cover back up with the egg carton with toothpaste, which I thought was very smart of Maggie, very, very efficient, um, with what she's got. Um, the last escape attempt, if I missed any of you guys help me out, but the last escape attempt was the, 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 the final escape attempt for her was where she set the house on fire. Um, Nina was very careful anytime they were together to not leave anything around Maggie to allow her to, to escape or, or use it. Um, but in this, this, you know, moment together, it was actually her last, it was her, her third anniversary in prison. Um, I think Nina got her a cake and Maggie snags the matches while Nina's distracted. Um, and this is her final escape attempt. She does light the house on fire. Um, it's her ultimate, I call it the ultimate fuck you to Nina, where she's like, oh, you're not going to control me anymore. I'm going to light this house on fire and we're all going down. Um, at the time, though, which sad is that Maggie does not know that Dylan, which is her grandson, is actually in the house, too. He's locked in the basement after that whole snafu. She gets beaten in the head with a lock. Um, she doesn't know he's in the basement. She thinks he's dead. And so... The worst part of it all is that as she's going out, she also takes down her grandson too in her in her final attempt to to get out of there. So, which you know maybe it's a fitting end for everybody. Um, everybody just went out because honestly, you think about it. The grandson he got his head beat in. Stephanie, you mentioned his face is messed up, his eye is sunken. Like I imagine him like it's just time like the Goonies, like hey you guys, like that's what I imagine right. him yeah, looking I was like the down same there. Thing. <laughs> well, they, they even made a He's comment. Maggie much. even said <clears throat> at one point that one of the things that helped her stay sane was having the slats in the windows so she could see outside. And she was like, I can't imagine if I was locked in the basement. Like it would be like a dungeon down there, windowless. So I think it was, um, although I would like to think that Dylan, Bobby, that his family was eventually going to start putting pieces together and find him. Like that was one of those things that I was kind of like, I mean, how long, and I don't remember the timeline, how long she had Dylan before the fire um, but I think it was long enough for him to heal. I think it was 10 months. It was what? 10 months. It was months. months. I'm pretty sure. It was months. It was, I'm pretty yeah. sure it was 10 months. Plot yeah. hole. It was months. Right? You're yeah. telling me plot thing. hole. You're telling me his. Nobody thought to come check come Nina. On. They did. After, mm-hmm. They did come. They did come. That's to right. The they cops. came to the, the house. They showed up and everything. Yeah. But they didn't go she inside. She hid him in the basement. But that's because not all the homes in the area had basements. They were one of the only ones that had one that was finished. Otherwise. Not none of the other homes in the area had been renovated in that capacity. It's why she makes a note about it. Um, mm. They were one of the only ones in the area that had a finished basement. That was the one good thing their dad had done to their house, is what she makes a comment about. So no one knew to look for him. And didn't he send, or Nina sent a text from his phone to, like, his boyfriend or something yes. saying, but I'm no dipping out somewhere, yeah. Yeah. I don't know, y'all. Listen, if you ever get a text from me that says I'm going AWOL, 
Greg has you're fed to the tied pigs. me up. We got done you. something. Yeah, we got yes. you. We're not. Greg has tied me yeah. up and he's locked me and up. He so yeah. and he is so happy. He is so happy. We're actually going to refer to page um, 274 in Pretty Girls to find out exactly what he's done to you. Because <laughs> I'm sure he has ripped those pages out for his own personal use and how to kill Stephanie when the time comes. Yeah. You know, I feel like I'm due to reread. I bet he has book. a binder. It's, yeah. I actually recently He's, did, and it was it was good. As stuff. disturbing as it was the first go It was. Yes. The, I listened to it. The narrator is, is on point. Oh, really? For Pretty Girls. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's a good yeah. fun yeah. fact. I haven't listened Very to good. it. Uh, yeah. Yes. For those, not, to to it. for those who don't know, we're talking about Karen Slaughter, and we've mentioned this before. Karen Slaughter is one of our ultimate favorite authors. We've all the Holy read Grail. the Will Trent series. Mm. Yes. Pretty Girls is top notch in the series. Please go read it if you've not. It's super disturbing and super good and fun fact i don't know if this is an actual book book but then the audible version when the book is over they actually go back to what, what was the the daughter's name the, the original one um janice Juanice, whatever what is her name i don't remember um mm-hmm. anyways the, the original daughter who disappears um they actually go back and like tell her story like how she's in college and how she starts digging into these girls disappearing Mm. And I didn't actually, I'm not going to lie, I didn't finish that part of it because it, it was like an hour longer. And I'm like, I don't have an hour left. Um, but they do actually go into that. So they wrote, it, it, isn't, to listen to it. it's a whole separate book. It's meant prequel. to roll into the next one. Yeah. Oh, it, it was called, it goes into the next book. Hair, I think it was Blonde Hair, Blue Eyes yeah. was the name of the prequel. And it did talk about the college sister with the one. Okay. Yeah. So I was just hearing a snippet is what I was oh, doing. Yes. Oh, yes. There that. is yeah. a whole I was like hearing some unheard version. It's short. It's, it's a very short, it's like a, you know, if you will, just a precursor before the pretty girl story started. Yeah. No. Okay. Um, hey, I don't know how we got on Pretty Girls Tangent. Oh, Greg locking me in up. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. We're going to resolve that out. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay, okay. Full circle. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right, so we hit the, the twisting, the twist in the ends. There was one other escape thing that wasn't noted in here that I'm going to pull a Roseanne and say, I caught and you didn't. Huh, huh. Okay, so when she digs a spring out of her mattress and hides it in her eyelash case, and um, Nina finds it when she's in the bathtub one time. So as like punishment, she goes into the eyeglass case and breaks the pieces <laughs> off of her eyeglasses. So she has to hold it like this when she reads her fucking escape and torture books. Which reminds me of so, Stephanie another... with her broke ass fucking glasses. Are they still broke, bitch? Are they still broken? <laughs> Let's see. Are they still broke? Did she get them fixed? You fucking know they're still broken. Look at that. <laughs> My assistant literally put on my to-do list, fix your glasses. You're a grown adult. I want adult. to be in a meeting. Yeah. Well, yeah, because you wear them all and day long, don't you? Aren't you doing Yeah. You don't wear contacts. Like, only no, glasses, No, I, right? I literally, I, yes, I'm wearing these broken glasses. I don't know what's wrong with me. I even walked past in Walmart. I walked past a lady. She was playing on her phone. Nobody was in there in the, in the eyeglass section. And I thought to myself, Stephanie, now would be a good time. She could probably just put a screw in and fix your glasses in like probably 20 seconds flat. I did not do it. I was like, nah, not today. Just kept on rolling. And I, I honestly think I could probably go the rest of my life never fixing my glasses. What is wrong with me? Uh, a lot. But <laughs> what That's is wrong gonna with That's going to be me? another podcast. We don't have time yeah. for that. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know what it is. Why can't I fix my glasses? I don't know. I have no idea. But I cannot and I will not. They'll, uh, they'll probably stay broken for... I don't know. Well, you deserve what you Mm -hmm. get out of life. All of it. I guess. 
All righty, Rosie. <laughs> God. So what, what kind of disorders do we think that Nina and, for that matter, Maggie have throughout this story? Because let's be real, they both have some serious fucked up things happening in order to do what they do to each other. So Roseanne's got a couple little notes in here. Yeah, in the book, they, they talk about that term psychogenic fugue, which is very similar to the disassociative identity disorder that we talked about with the savage side. So they're kind of the same. Um, it's basically a disorder of the memory that occurs following an emotional or psychological trauma. And that person just ends up um, losing their whole memory of what the hell happened during that time. Um, it's been linked to severe stress, which might be, you know, a traumatic event that that person's experienced or witnessed. So basically the same type stuff we saw with Daffy and Ark, or Ark on the savage side. Looks like they're both psycho suffering except from the same thing. For... Uh, except, except there was no trigger. Yeah, Nina oh. was the trigger. Nina yeah. did the, the traumatic event to herself and then would go through this like moment of I don't know what's happened to me, That's but true. she's the reason she had. Well, in this. her mind, though, the traumatic event was was Alistair saying that his only girl is someone else. So the traumatic event wasn't enough to trigger her killing somebody, but in her mind, that was mm-hmm. the trigger event. Was her dad saying someone else is her only girl? She's like, wait, because she, you know, obviously likes people to herself. She said, no, I'm I'm the only girl. Um, so that was the trigger, whether or not it was worth it or not. So but. so I mean, is she just? Psycho. Psychopath? Psycho, yeah. A, a socio- is it, wait, sociopath is one with yes. no empathy and the, 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 so, the ability to, like, feel the emotions, right? That's sociopath. Yeah. But then she does have them sometimes, so it's like, what is she? I don't ever know that she Because she'll them. even talk to herself. Well, but she says, I, she says, the closest I felt to feeling guilt. She's, she'll say things about feeling guilt. Um, and somebody who is, is not mentally there doesn't feel guilt like that. And she'll actually use the word guilt. Um, so honestly, it's, it's, that's the whole thing about Nina is like, she, she, she is all there. She planned very heavily on how she was going to put Maggie in, into her place. She planned all these psychological tortures, but then she forgets important things. Um, so I, I don't know what the hell she is. I don't know. I don't know. John. Liar. Yeah. John, if you fill us in and what, yeah. If, if any, um, what disorders, yeah. If any listeners are like mental health experts, do you want to like weigh in? Yeah. We could <laughs> use some help. Um, we could use some help. Do we think so that Nina and Maggie, Maggie had the same thing or different? Mm-mm. Maggie's was truly misguided love and poor parenting. It was it was truly mm-hmm. what she she thought she was doing the best for her daughter, thought she had to protect her. And it's a generational thing. We see it in generations now. There's a generation of sweeping under the rug anything and everything. And that's what Maggie was attempting to do. She was attempting to hide anything ugly Tuck it up the savage side, man. Make it beautiful again. Blah, blah, blah. Instead of addressing. um, It could have been a simple conversation with her daughter after Alistair died. Mm -hmm. You know, she could have just asked the question. What was your father doing in your room? And they could have worked through it together. But instead, she drug his body out of the house and buried it. So Maggie was an idiot. Well, yeah, the whole time. So she thought like, (laughs) well, she thought the whole time her daughter was suffering from like traumatic sexual abuse, correct? Yeah. So that's what she she was thinking. She, she, in fact, never found out, never found out that Alistair did not abuse, never found out. So Mm -hmm. she went her entire life, died in the fire thinking that Alistair molested her daughter and started everything. 
She yeah. believed Alistair was to blame for it all. Um, and, and that was, to me, one of the greatest injustices of this story was the truth never came out. It came out. It yep. never came right. out. And that was hard for me. I'm all about truth, mm-hmm. man. Like, I love it. I love to shout it. And the fact that truth never came out was a big injustice for me in this whole story. Same. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I kind of like it, though, when stories are not put in a cute little box and tied up with a ribbon and here it is. Everything came out. I kind of like that. No one really actually knew anything that went down. And, and the only person who did is Nina and her ass isn't telling anybody because she probably already forgot it. Well, kind of well, like yeah, I mean, we don't, yeah, we don't know how much she ever recollects and pulls together. Um, she does in the end. I don't think we've mentioned it yet. She is arrested in the end. They do find after the house fire, both bodies chained up and they come and arrest her. So that's how the story ends. Nina being arrested. So we don't know what happens after that. We don't know how she spends it. I mean, obviously there is no way to spin that story where she doesn't go to prison um, for what she did. Thank God. One small thing out of that in the end was thank God, you know, Maggie unfortunately had to pass, but Nina went to prison. So there was one small victory at the end of the story. Could you imagine being Elsie, the little stupid lit neighbor next door after the house is burnt down and they're all like, oh, we found two bodies. And she's like, oh my God, my friend's been in this whole time. Just God. That was a stupid thoughtful person. Mm -hmm. Well, another um, just weird thing I want to talk about with Nina was um, they touch on genetic sexual attraction because she was very Mm. interestingly um, so drawn to her son. And they just said a couple times, you know, it's actually a thing that she looked up called genetic sexual attraction. Um, And it's usually occurs in adoption situations or family members that have been separated for long periods of time. There's this intense attraction between them. Um, I thought that was super, I'll just say, I thought it was super fucking weird. Um, she mentioned on several yeah. times, you know, how she, when they were out in public, like she would be holding his hand, you know, she's like, oh, we probably look like, like husband and wife. And I wouldn't really mind, you know, just like weird shit like that. Like, come on, lady. So a tiny bit in her defense, tiny, tiny bit. It is all weird. And and after the fact, when they are walking together and she knows he's her son and she makes comments like that, it is weird. But in her defense, when Dylan, when Bobby that's what his name was at the time when Bobby first reached out to her. She did not know he was reaching out because of a relation that he was trying to uncover. She thought he was just a guy who was interested in her. And you have to put yourself in Nina's shoes in this situation. She was sheltered. She did not have a lot of relationships. She was, what, 30 in her late 30s and had only had... 36. 36 and had maybe had three relationships. I think she actually made up one of them. I think she only had two. She had John Hunter and she had the married guy which didn't go well. So she had no history with relationships. So she has this guy show up who's very, very, very interested in her, who's asking her a lot of questions, who's trying to engage in conversation with her. I see why Nina's, why Nina was interested, like, like thought there was a relationship there. And it would take a second for a normal person to realign that relationship. Once she finds out that there's a relation that he's her son, you know, to take that, initial reaction, how she felt, because she was like, you know, she would talk about how she would get butterflies and how she was interested in talking to him, looking forward to it, all that good stuff. So there was that whole first connection you have with somebody and she had that with him in a romantic way. He didn't, but she didn't know that because it's Nina and she has weird attachment issues. 
And so I see why she had a hard time separating out the son from her initial attraction to him, uh, especially because Nina is not capable, obviously, of normal rational thought. Um, so a tiny, tiny bit in her defense, I see why she had that weird attraction with her son. And do you think it's because he looked like John Hunter and she was like, ooh, you look like I, I don't know if it ever... No, be, uh, no, because at that point, I don't agree with her anymore. Once she knows it's her son and she's meeting him in public, I don't agree with, I, uh, not, I, don't, I don't defend her behavior at that point. It's only before she ever meets him, before she ever finds out why he reached out to her, that she has that relationship attraction to him that I'm like, oh, I get why she thought that, you know, because Nina mm-hmm. was sheltered. And, you know, to have a stranger, an attractive stranger interested in her, obviously would have piqued her attention and her interest. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and even when she has him locked up in the the basement, I I feel like I remember there was a moment where she's talking about him and she says that he's looking more like John Hunter or something like that. This is after his, you know, eyes beat up and he's chained up and she's like he's looking more like John every day and I'm like, "Uh-oh." Like she's she about refers to, to him as John yes, a couple times. She does. She yeah, she says she, she messed up and calls yeah. him John. Yeah. So she's definitely blurring the lines 100% at that point. Yeah. Can I be gross? <laughs> Yeah. Yes. We can we can decide if yeah. we take this out or not after I say it. But can, okay. okay, so we know that she has a history of chaining people to beds, right? Bet she would have chained her son to the bed and had sex with him. Oh, I'm sorry. I actually Raped thought him. that was going to happen Raped in the book. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I thought that was going to happen. Rape. Yeah. I, I bet. I, I bet she would have. Bet. Bet. <clears throat> mm-hmm. oh, Given enough time, yeah. she 100% would have. Yes. I'm picturing it. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy. Mm-hmm. Right now, guys. Sick. That eye goonie. <laughs> yeah. He's all chained to the bed, can't move, and she's just having the time of her life. Oh, this okay. All right, Stephanie. <laughs> so let's let's go into like some plot holes and stuff, because we I think we've pointed out a few of them. Oh, real quick, real are we all in agreement that no one would do what Maggie did, or do some of you guys actually think that you would do some of the shit Maggie did? <laughs> Fuck no. Fuck no. I don't agree with anything Maggie did. I would not even... Now, would I hide Greg's body if Bo killed him? Fuck no, actually. There, no. Yes. Solid no. Oh. I would not. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I said I wouldn't. yes. No. I would, have a con- think- I would not. I would, I would have a conversation with my kid. I would not... I- I would. I might still hold the body, but I'd probably have a conversation. I'd yeah, have a conversation. And if he said dad was in my room raping me, I'm going to bury his body and we'll do it together. But like, I would never go the route Maggie did of, I just, I wouldn't, I would the, never. The, exactly. Never, yeah. Never no, she took it too far. Yeah. yeah. Never discussing it. Yeah. Yeah. A conversation. Even allowing your daughter to think this. Yeah. The abortion pills, the, the genetic disorder. It yeah. was all so fucked up. Maggie was not okay in her own way like that was not okay none of it no when she makes her do the first abortion she talks about how she realized that nina was a lot farther along than she thought she was which means that's right when she flushes that toilet there's a legitimate fetus in that toilet there has to be at that moment which is guys that's that is sick i'm sorry but that is sick Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it is. Nice. I don't and we want to like say Maggie but but you know Nina in her right mind she was messed up for a reason. Had mm-hmm. everything. You know like she oh, yeah. it all came There's to her like there. she went through all these years of life thinking her mom was her, you know, savior and then all this hit her at one time like, "Oh, I actually was, you know, drugs." It just it hit all at one time. So she she did break, but after 2 years like, "Come on, Nina, get it together." But 
Yeah, we, we mentioned the basement, but just real quick, spending a few seconds. So this all really came at Nina super fast. She was at the doctor, talked about being on the antidepressant. He was like, no, you weren't. And she was like, you know, it unraveled a lot for her. She went down in the basement, started looking through a lot of stuff, found a bunch of suitcases, found all of dad's clothes, found all of the pills mom used to drug her. Mom hoarded everything. And she made little notes about how mom was a hoarder in the basement and, and, Maggie very stupidly kept every single piece of evidence that outlined everything she had ever done to Nina in suitcases. Everything. Left nothing up for debate. I mean, it was all there. All of the letters that Nina had written. So she knew dad didn't make it. You know, dad was not getting the letters. She put all of it together um, and and went out anticipating finding dad buried in the garden. Like she was like suspicious, you know. Mm -hmm. I actually don't remember all of how that unfolded, but, you know, it just... All of it kind of came crashing down on Nita at one time. And somebody who already has a fragile mental state, it's like, I mean, no wonder she snapped. But she didn't snap there in the moment. It twisted for her and she thought, here's what I'm going to do. And she laid out an elaborate plan. So she didn't have some massive snap where she went upstairs, hit mom over the head, and then was like, now what do I do? Instead, it was like, okay. I'm going to chain mom up in the base, in the attic, and I'm going to make it so she can never leave. And she's going to die up there chained. Like that's, that's mm-hmm. when, how Nina handled this situation. Um, well, she found like all the letters that she had wrote yep. to her dad. Like, so finding every single letter you thought you was mm-hmm. getting to your dad and then like all his clothes and stuff. So she's probably like, you know what? I'm about to dig this, this bitch up in the yard, see what's down there. Mm-hmm. That's right. So she, Still at this point at 36, thinks dad walked off and never showed up again. Only finds out at that point that dad is dead, thinks Maggie is the one who did it, and that kind of said, that's right, that's right, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. So it was Mm -hmm. a lot to crash down on someone with a very fragile mental state, a lot. Exactly. So do we have any plot holes? Yeah. Yeah. Um, What was the dumb story about the kid across the street? I said, exactly. I thought the same thing. I kept thinking she was going to save her, but like, what was the point of bringing up? Because even Nina's like talking about the abuse girl, and she's like, I have no tolerance for child abuse or elderly <laughs> abuse. And she's like, I do know how this is like funny, you know, but yes, like, I, I really did not get a point to that part either. They mm-hmm. talked about them like bonding it- over it. I don't know if that was a point to show, oh, we can get along, but I, it was totally dumb and pointless, and it, it really annoyed me, actually. Well, and, and what was really sad about it was, so what How what this was, was Maggie was watching, she would watch everybody from her window. She would sit there, look out the slats and look at all the comings and goings in the neighborhood. She was like her own independent, she called herself a, a watchdog with no teeth because she watched everything that happened, but couldn't do a damn thing about it from up in her little tower. Um, <clears throat> but she was seeing across the street, a family that had moved in and she was uh, seeing enough happening through their windows that she was suspicious they were abusing their their young daughter. Um, and so her and Nita kind of bonded over this. They started watching the family religiously, wrote letters for the daughter about how you can get help. And here's what you need to do to, you know, you don't need to be treated this way. That's not love. Uh, Nina was supposed to put the, give the letter to the girl, ran into her at a, at a gas station, um, was intentionally supposed to bump into her, put the, the letter in her hand and walk off. But she said, because the mom bought her ice cream, she thought there was no way that that mother was abusing her children. Well, we find out at the very end come fire time when the whole neighborhood is out there and the girl has bruises on her body and Nina sees her and has this moment of like, Oh shit, Maggie was right. Like they are abusing their kids. So there, I don't think there was a point. So it's like, there was no point, but in the end it was just like, 
honestly just another sad part of the story where like, um, and I think a lot of it was what's happening behind closed doors. The same as with the whole Nina Maggie situation. Like Nina had a whole life. She had a job. She had, you know, a, a sad and kind of like low social life, but somewhat of a social life. You just don't ever know what's happening behind closed mm-hmm. doors. I think it was just a nod to that. Um, but it was still kind of like okay. an unanswered kind of what was the point dealio. But. Well, and to, I'll say too, maybe it was a part of Nina's psychological torture. Like she knew that Maggie, they they wrote this letter together that mm-hmm. they were going to give to the girl or that Nina was going to give to the girl. Nina knew that Maggie was super invested in this. Like today was the day. Today's going to happen when you give him the letter. And then she, Nina left the letter where Maggie would find that's it, true. knowing that it wasn't given to the girl. So there probably was some, I guess that's, it was another psychological thing. Mm. And maybe that's the whole point of the story. And they so. never talked about it again. They never spoke about it. She mm. never told her she saw the letter. They never spoke mm-hmm. about never giving it to her. Um, again, just a conversation <laughs> could have <laughs> A simple, you know, hey, I noticed the letter was still on the, like, but never, ne- just didn't. They were just stuck it all down and move on. Mm-hmm. So, um, Sammy, if heaven ever decides to tell us, hey, mom's, um, she's at a rest home um, and we don't come looking for you. <laughs> I'm like, where are you going with this? <laughs> well, we don't, we don't come we looking come. for you. Like. Yeah, like where was Maggie's sister during this whole time? Like, mm-hmm. like I'm none mm-hmm. of us are going to sit here and, and never see our sister again if they're sick or something's going on. So that was a major plot hole. Yeah, or, or talk to them. Or yeah, talk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Yes, I, I guess. Very I, interesting. I guess the reason. I mean, the reason Nina went with dementia was because dementia would isolate you, obviously, away from everybody who knew you before, because they would think, "Well, I don't have to go visit her. She won't even know who I am." Mm-hmm. So I guess that's why she went with dementia because it's an easy way to, again, just to, you know, isolate out Maggie. Um, but yeah, no way, shape or form. I mean, <laughs> MS doesn't mean you can't travel. Like it might've been more no. difficult. It might've been, you know, there might've yeah. been some steps to take, but I think any one of us, um, and who knows, you know, we didn't get history of the families before. We don't know. We know that Maggie's mom was not a good mother. So who knows what the sister was like, you know, what maternal instinct she had or how close their bond was. Um, but I think we can all say as sisters sitting here, we would never take that at face value that one of us suddenly dropped out of our lives and could never speak to us again. And we would just let it go. Like that would never happen. So like if you get dementia, I'm going to come see you and see if I can jar you out of like, make you remember me. Like I'm going to take that as a challenge. So like you're, you're not, Oh, it is. Oh, I was going to say, you're not going to like, it is. Sweet. Oh, my point was like that's me being like you're gonna no, remember me, bitch. Yeah, me, bitch. yeah, you're not forgetting and me. I, know. I, I <laughs> literally, I took it as a challenge, and I was like, I won't fucking remember you. Try me. <laughs> well, we'll see who wins in the end. Uh, probably the dementia. Can you tell Roseanne and I have bookended the family? Roseanne's the oldest. I'm the youngest. Sam and Nestor in the middle. Like, oh, how sweet. Roseanne's like, you're gonna remember me. I'm like, fuck no, I won't. Bitch, try. <laughs> Quick little family dynamic there. <laughs> we'll see. Um, so, yeah, that was just my point. You know, Sam, if you ever think heaven's going to lock you up somewhere and I'm not going to come looking for you, we'll all be beating down the door. Please do. <laughs> okay. Yes, please come find me. <laughs> <laughs> She's out with the chicken coop. <laughs> um, I mean, honestly, the same thing with Elsie. Like, why did Elsie not dig in um because she was there elsie was in the basement whenever um 
Nina gave birth and she was a part of the whole getting rid of the baby thing or giving the baby up for adoption. And Maggie never told Elsie exactly what happened, but Maggie definitely laid vibes out that there's something up with Nina. Like she's not all there. Like you need to leave the house. It's not safe here. Um, Never says why, but the fact that Elsie just looks at Nina, but never like calls the cops or like, you know, does anything to like, I don't know that, that bothered me too with Elsie, especially when you realize later in the book, how close they were and Mm -hmm. how they, did everything together really to get to that point. Um, it is weird to me that, that Elsie didn't do more. Yeah. Cause it's not like they were just friends across town. They were neighbors and they had standing tea dates every Thursday. Like there was a lot of, for Maggie just to suddenly be plucked out of her life. That to me was a big plot hole to me. I, I had a hard time believing that nobody in Maggie's life came looking for her. Maybe they came looking. Especially. But I guess they can't come kicking yeah, in the door and be like, show me your whole house. I want to see if she's chained in the attic. Like, obviously you can't do that. But I don't know. Just something. Something, you know, suspicion. You know, checking in. Welfare check. Something, you know. Mm-hmm. Confirmation. Put I eyes on I think she was yourself. suspicious. I think she was suspicious. Why she kind of always watched Nina all the time and always asked her, how's your mother? I've not seen you go and visit her recently or any of those other questions. But, like, one you were a good friend, so how do you not know what what location she's been taken to? Even if mm. it is across the country, you should know what facility she's now being held at. Um, so the aunt should have known that too, which is kind of weird. Or the sister should have known where her sister was put. Because nobody knows the actual facility. They just say she's in a, an institute somewhere, which is... That's just... All of that's kind of weird. So all of that, I felt, was a huge plot hole. The well, lack of people um, guess- trying to hunt down Maggie. Exactly. Well, I guess I'll give Elsie it out. She did have life collar in her neck. Do you guys remember that? Where Nina yeah. talks about her having, I'm like, all right, she's got life call. She can't really do shit, right? Like, not only talks about life call, but talks about intentionally putting yes. ice, like water, like water <laughs> yes. at her doorstep to make ice. So she slips and hurts herself, like intentionally yes. wanting to hurt Elsie. Yeah. I actually, I, I'm not going to lie. I Gosh, chuckled. I chuckled. Like, I chuckled. Nina. Mm-hmm. Nina and her fucking so ways. Nina. Right. <laughs> She's like, I'm going to fuck that old lady up. <laughs> yeah, something in there. Not giving a fuck about elderly. Yeah. Um. Um, and I guess I put this plot hole here. My my question is, why did no one kick the shit out of Nina? Like, why doesn't no one just, like, beat her ass? Like, Maggie tried. Maggie tried. That's right. Maggie was. Yeah, and you got to think, too. Weird. You got to give Maggie some props. She did physically you know, have altercations with, with her daughter trying to escape. And like, we're all moms. I mean, imagine having to physically hurt your kid, Mm -hmm. like bad enough that you can escape. I mean, now granted, I mean, there's a lot to take into account if she's got you chained up, yada, yada, but like, it'd still be hard to hurt your kid enough to incapacitate them so you could escape. So it was, you know, I guess that was probably another form of the psychological torture that Maggie could only go so far and her escapes, because if it was anybody else, I think Maggie had enough, you know, piss and vinegar in her that she would have fought to the death to escape, but she had to be reserved to a degree. She even talks about how hard it would be, how hard it was when she did hurt her. It was just out of desperation to try to escape, uh, but she couldn't ever go that next level of following through to the point of killing her because it was her daughter. So she was kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place in terms of valuing her own life over Nina's. That's true. I'll give her that. I want to, um, I, I really want to talk about 
the night Dylan became imprisoned. Um, kind of what was happening there. Cause we, we, we mentioned briefly that he showed up because Nina had called and had, you know, alluded to hurting herself if he didn't call her back. Um, but what he walked into, he walks into the house, the door is unlocked. He comes inside and he comes in at a moment where Nina is in a, a psychological break. She's got a knife and she's, she's actively getting ready seconds away from stabbing her mother to death. Maggie's on the floor chains around her ankle you can just picture her feeble sad hands exactly. up to defend yes. herself and nina is standing over her knife ready to go down and that's what dylan walks into has no idea number one grandma's alive has no idea she's been chained in the in the in the attic has no idea what is happening that's what he walks into and because he walks into this intense moment he's able to the 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 balance is thrown off long enough for him to get the key out of Nina out of Nina's pocket undoes the, the cuff around Maggie's ankle for the first time in two years. She has a sense of freedom. They start to hobble out of the house. And the whole time from the moment Dylan showed up, I knew it was going to happen to him. And I was just waiting, waiting. I thought she would stab him. I thought they would like when he went to get the knife out, the, the, the key, I thought she was going to ram it in his stomach. Like I was so anxious reading that part of the story because I knew it was coming. Um, and then I was pissed off. I was pissed off when it finally happened because it just sucked for Dylan. It did suck It just sucked. It just sucked bad. And it would be really painful to be hit with a metal cuff in the face multiple times. It would Mm -hmm. be a scary situation. In fact, when Maggie talked about how she was trying to, to console him and he started crawling away from her like she was danger too. Because just imagine what he's in, that that moment he's yeah, in. Yeah, he's, he's like, whoa, mistake. Is this actually yeah. happening? Yeah, and he tried to crawl. He crawled down a set of stairs to the front door, but didn't make, he like fell the last couple of steps. Like it was intense. Crawling away, and, 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 Matt, and Nina's just watching with a smile on her face as he crawls away. Like it was an intense scene. Yeah. I couldn't get out of this without talking about it. Yeah, that was a... It yeah. was intense. No, that was one of the movie moments. Yeah, yes. it felt very and, real. Yes, yeah. and, and the book kind of pivoted for me because I got really angry in that, and I was like, "You got to be fucking kidding me!" And like, it just pissed me off more and more the best as the book went on. Um, but that was just a. It was. It was a good movie moment. I could totally picture it. Yeah. Yeah. This will be a good movie. Well, it's going to be made one apparently. Yeah. yeah to stay right. tuned. Renee Zellweger. Yes. Um. Well, Stephanie, do you want to go ahead and go into your review then, since you kind of touched on? Sure. <clears throat> yeah, because my, my my rating really is based around, I actually was very invested in the book because I got the opportunity to listen to the first half of it while we were driving home from some, some trip we were on. Um, so I had like three hours of just having the headphones on, being fully engulfed in the story in the car, no one talking to me, no interruptions. And um, so I was super into the story for the first half of it. And then after Dylan shows up, gets imprisoned, I just, the book just started to piss me off and how it was unfolding. It was just, I guess, not that I wanted a happy ending, but I didn't want that the way it went. Um, So I was kind of, you know, kind of like how you were ready for the last book, Sam, that we had done to be over. I was ready for this to be over. I didn't want to read about it anymore. It was making me sad. It was, it was upsetting for me. I couldn't imagine doing that to my mom and like, I couldn't imagine doing it to my son. I couldn't imagine what they were going through. So I was ready for the book to be done. So because of that, I gave it a solid 3.8. I did enjoy the book very much. I would recommend it, but it just, it didn't sit well for me when it ended. 
Okay. Yeah. So the solid 3.8 for me. But I loved his writing and I will read more of his stuff. I just, the book, just the ending just kind of fucked with me a mm-hmm. little bit. Okay. Yeah. Um, Sammy? Yeah. Um, I gave it a 4.5, which is the highest rating wow. I've given a book we've read yet. Um, Ooh. I, I oh, really what? enjoyed this book, guys. I did. I, I wow. really did. Um the only reason I didn't give it a five is because it had that Romeo and Juliet. Like all it took was somebody talking, somebody to give that letter to who was supposed to go. Like it just, that part irritated me. Is that like, somebody just need to say like words to, to make all this not be the way it was. Like that's what frustrated me, but the storyline was cool. I like that. He, I do like when they go back and forth, like overall the book was, mm-hmm. it was great to me. I would highly recommend actually, this is a good book mm-hmm. and I can't wait to watch the movie. Yeah. Nessie. Yeah, I gave it a solid four as well. I thoroughly wow. enjoyed this book. For me, as a, a four along uh, with this kind of storyline, it's good. Um, it's definitely a vacation read. Mm-hmm. It's definitely something I'd read on an airplane. Like, I recommend this as a good entertainment value book for sure. Um, like you guys mentioned, it does have a lot of uh, kind of the cinematic appeal to it, which mm-hmm. is why I think they're turning it into a movie. And I think that's ultimately John's goal anyway. He does write that way. He made a point to mention it on his website. So um, I like his writing. I love the back and forth. I listened to it and read it. So I liked the narrators that they picked for it. So if you do Audible on it, they mm-hmm. do a great job. Um, I liked all of the psychological, like messed up torture moments or the little like little things that Nina would jab in or throw in there. Like I just, I, I thought he did a phenomenal job. So I liked it. Highly recommend. Okay. Well, here I come to wreck the day. (laughs) I know I've been a little mute this episode and it's really because I, I did not love this book. Um, for me, I felt like it was kind of obvious that Nina killed her dad. I kind of picked up on that pretty early on. Um, and that her mom was hiding it from her for whatever reason. Um, I did not expect all the little twists that it had in it. Um, and maybe I didn't appreciate all the psychological mind games. Um, and I didn't go back and listen to this one after I read it. Maybe if I did, I would have appreciated it a little more and given it, you know, that much more thought. Um, the thing about the kid across the street annoyed me and pissed me off probably a little too much. I don't know why, but it did. Um, the fact that Nina was a little more psycho than I was expecting was entertaining. I'll give it that. Um, it was an easy beach read. I would read it in an airplane as Vanessa likes to say, I would not say it was a must read book and I gave it three stars. Okay. Like we mentioned before, three stars is a good book. That's a good book. Yeah. I just like, for me, that's not a good book rating that I would give. Um, and I really wanted to love this book because I loved his other one that I read so much. This one just wasn't vibing with me. And I really don't have a good solid explanation for why it didn't. And it could in all honesty, could all in all honesty be just me. So that's my review. Mm. All right. Well, you We'd guys like should read the book. You guys thought about it. Yeah. The book. Let us know your thoughts. We'd love to yeah, hear. good. Forget Roseanne's rating. It was good. Read it. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, she gave it three even, stars. That's a book worth reading. No, it is still. Exactly. Yes. But Roseanne hands out stars like candy. Remember? She she tosses out four True. and five stars like they're candy. So for her to give it three, yeah, she didn't like this book. Mm-hmm. I, it's true. Maybe I'm just, 
I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm just over these kinds of books. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe I need something different. Well, I'm picking the next book. How about bitch. I share my one off then? <laughs> so I could not, I can so do, I could not read it, but yes, do, do, do share. <laughs> I can do my one off because it's different. It's different okay. than what we just read. So maybe this is more your speed. So the one off book that I picked for this session is um, The 100 Years of Lenny and Margot, and it's by Marianne Cronin. I think I'm saying her last name right. Um, it is actually a story about um, Lenny is a 17 year old. Um, she is super witty, very fiery, fierce personality. She refuses to accept anything in life laying down, and that is uh, like literal in every sense because she has terminal cancer mm. and the story is following her life as she lives inside the hospital to live out her last days because her family, she lives in um, uh, Glasgow. So she's in Scotland. So that the narrator is Scottish who does. So if you listen to it on audible, it's very good if you're into that. Um, so she's living at the hospital where she meets um, a new French an 83 year old Margot, who is, she reminds me of Mammal Milkweed, but just like she's kind of mischievous and she sneaks out of her room all the time and does things she's not supposed to be doing, but she also lives at the hospital because she's sick. Um, the two of them meet in an art, um, the art room and decide to kind of put on this showcase for the hospital. And that's where the hundred years of Lenny and Margot come into play. So they do a hundred paintings for every year of their lives and together create like this little masterpiece. Um, but the story is, it's funny. It's kind of sad, a little tragic. Um, but it, it's beautiful. Like it's, it's, it's a very beautiful story. It's very thought provoking. It's endearing. It's a tearjerker, but it's a hundred times worth it. Um, so I gave it five stars. I highly recommend this to this book to anybody who just kind of wants more meaning behind their entertainment, um, who is open to just smiling in spite of all the bad stuff that happens in life. This story is definitely one of those. Sounds like it's giving like fried green tomato vibes, Ooh, you know, yeah, um, very much. The, um, yeah, to Wanda. <laughs> That's what it reminded me of the old lady yes. and the young lady. Yeah. Okay. That sounds cute. Nessie, very, yeah. But like the, no, it does sound the cute. audible version, is it like super Scottish, like accent Scottish? She's accented. Yes. That sounds. So. Do you need to slow it down horrific. to like make it where you can understand? Not for me. I enjoy Scottish accent. So. Okay, mate. Hey, Rosie, don't you enjoy Scottish? <laughs> she like, that's, that's, no, not, that's not Scottish, it, Roseanne. It's because she... Outlander. It's because mm. she watches Outlander, yeah. That's all about there Jamie Fraser right there. With the brogue. The brogue. Uh, the which, by the way, is an excellent series of books to read, Outlander, if you have it. It is. Did and you read them? TV if you want to watch. I've read... I haven't read all of them. Mm-hmm. I've read, like, the first oh. two, I think. I have a, I have several of them, but I've only read the first two. They Long to get yeah, I've heard they're books. they're hard to read, like the Game of Thrones series. Yeah. Like, don't torture yourself yeah. and read; just watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the book, the first I one was read great. the Game of Thrones. You read Game of Thrones? Are I you did. a psycho? Oh. Mm-hmm. Who the fuck read reads that? They were oh, good. Wow. Who reads fucking Harry Potter? Not me. Don't look oh, at me, Sam. <laughs> Sam. <laughs> Uh, let's be real. I only read the two books. I only read two of them. I watched the rest of the movies. So Oh, I read all of them. Oh, I did not. No. Oh. I had them on my shelf. I just never read them all. Nerd. 
Hey, so I know this isn't in the outline, but I have a book I want to recommend that I just read. Uh, whatever. And it was actually really, really good, and I just want to share it because I gave it like a 4.5 star rating. I really enjoyed it. Um, it was called The Wrong Family by Taryn Fisher, and I'm not going to go deep into the plot, but anybody who enjoys these similar types of books, like with an element of twist in there, a little bit of psychological, not like a you know torture related, but kind of that psychological twist, it's worth reading. It's The Wrong Family by Taryn Fisher. Um, it's it's pretty good. Okay. It has to do I'm with that. Um, oh, it'll give it away. Don't, I don't want to spoil anything because it is it is worth reading. Don't so tell I don't, don't want to spoil anything, but it's it's one I'd recommend to a friend. So um, I have one more book review, if I may. Yes. So this one actually came from my daughter. Um, so my daughter's name is Heaven. Um, she's 14 years old. Um, and we're in the car on Tuesday, picking her up from school. And she's like, mom, I just finished this book that, and she had been telling me about this book. Um, and she was like, and I wrote a review and I'm like, oh, well, well, let me hear it. So the book is called the special ones. Um, and just to tell you guys, just how, how cute kids are. So I was like, who's it by? And she sends it to me and she tells me it's by Harper Collins. And if any of you guys know, <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> they're a publisher. So I'm looking this up and I'm like, ah. so, so the book is Aww. not by Harper Collins. Yes. The book is called the special ones and it's by M Bailey. Um, and this is her book review. Definitely look it up. Cause it doesn't give you all the, this is her book review from a 14 year old's perspective. So the special ones, this book was actually very confusing at first, but as you go on, it gets so much better. My favorite character was Harry. That was because he cared about everyone and came back for Esther. Esther and Harry, Obby, this OBV, Obby were in love with each other and they both escaped and snuck out to find each other and kissed. And then Harry got shot. That's when I cried. The ending was kind of confusing because in the book, they all went off of role play names. So I only remembered them by those names. But when they said their real names, I got lost. But that was about it. I actually really loved the book. So I give it a nine out of 10. Okay. Why was that the cutest thing ever? <laughs> That's cute. It is. It's a young adult fiction okay. book, but some of you guys might be into it. But it's called "The Special Ones" by M. Bailey. So enjoy. Cute. Who shot him? I love that she cried. I don't. Know. I have a lot of. See now you got to read it, Aww. Vanessa, to know who shot him. <laughs> I need to know. This is going to bother me. Um, okay, I'm going to move into my um, oldie but goodie selection. Um, and this book that I'm going to recommend isn't super old. It came out in 2021 but it's called The Push by Ashley Aldrain. And I'm actually going to insist that if you are a mother that you read this book. Um, It really fucked with me after I read it. Um, Steffi and Nessie, you read it, correct? Mm -hmm. Sammy, you haven't yet, have you? I read it, yeah. I remember after we read it, me and you, we had a little discussion about it because it was so mind heavy. Um, But basically it's a psychological drama that's, Toys with the question, are children born, born evil? Um, it's about a woman whose experience of motherhood is totally not anything. Who the fuck is typing? <laughs> what the fuck are you so, Well, full disclosure, I was asking Vanessa if the push was in her audible so that I can listen to it. So is it? It is. Just fucking ask after. It is. Jesus. <laughs> I'm also not looking at the chat. I needed to know right now, though. So, Um, It's a psychological drama that toys with the question, are children born evil? Uh, It's about a woman whose experience of motherhood is nothing at all what she hoped for, and it was everything she feared. Her marriage gets destroyed. She's convinced something is wrong with her daughter, but her husband's like, no way, you're imagining things. 
Um, this book challenged everything I thought about motherhood, about what we owe our children, what it feels like when you're not believed by your husband. Like it's, it's a, mm-hmm. you, you've got to read it. That's all I got to say. Like it, I gave it five stars, yeah. total mind fuck stayed with me. I will forever recommend this book must read. Mm-hmm. Okay. Agreed. Yes. It's a yeah. good one. I, I second that. Mm-hmm. Good one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. We're going to move into the character adaptation se- segment. Get your Google out, folks. Here we go. So I've only got four main people, so it'll be fairly quick this time around. Um, So Nina, I chose Elizabeth Moss, Handmaid Tale chick. Okay, wait, who's this for? Nina? Yeah. You know, she's going to get her angry tooth out. Yep. Yep. (laughs) You can't. I can't say that. Why did you? <laughs> well, edit Why it out. Why did you say angry tooth? Why did you have to say that? Why did you say because that? Because she has a dumb oh tooth God. that pisses me it's off. Because your mouth is always yeah. yeah. Her mouth is always like oh angry, and her tooth is noticeable. It's like does she have a tooth there? Is it little? Like what's up? And her nostrils are always flaring. Always, She's always flaring. Very angry. <laughs> she does a good job though. She does angry being, good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Angry very well. Yeah. She does yeah. that really good controlled burn, which is what Nina is. She's yeah. a controlled yes. burn and she loses control every now and again. So, yeah, yeah that's a good yeah. one. Good one. Um, so, for her mom, Maggie, I chose Patricia Clarkson. Um, she's been in a couple movies. Um, Sharp, Oge- <laughs> Sharp Objects movie. She was oh, the that's mom. That's right. I thought I was wondering that that's one. where I know from. Yeah. Um, she's been in a couple other, I, the other ones are not dawning on me at the moment. What do you guys think? Yes. Stephanie's looking like she's mulling something over. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I pictured for Maggie. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. Okay. It's all right. It's all right. Okay. I'm not here or there. Yeah. Okay. Um, John Hunter, I'm going to kind of bridge over the age gap, and I'm choosing Jared Leto. Fight me, bitches. Fight me. (laughs) All right. Nice. That's okay. No No need. No, he's a good pick. Because you know what? No need. We like it. You know what? As he's gotten older, he's fucking creepy, which is still sad, but I still love him, but whatever. Yeah. And he's still a hot rocker. Wait, was he in a movie Isn't called Morbius in 2022? Yeah, it's shit. the one where he's like this vampire thing. Yeah. Oh, wow. All it's right. Cool. Okay. Uh, so Dylan, I chose Austin Butler, aka Napoleon Dynamite's twin, yes. <laughs> but a hotter version. Yes. Oh, okay. Right. He could be a young Jared Leto. Yeah. Question: Why do you think he's Napoleon Dynamite's twin? Because. There's I think look. Austin Butler is. There's a the mouth. Um, There's a look. The mouth. I, it's, it's a he lip. has amazing lip. lips. But so does Napoleon Dynamite. Just real quick, go back and look. He has. The is same it lips. when he's drinking the milk? That's when it sets it off for me. When he's <laughs> this, this got into a, a, a what is it? Onion patch. Uh, onion patch. <laughs> <laughs> that whole fucking movie. <laughs> Teeny fat lard. Hey, I can relate because I had buck teeth as well. I still have buck teeth. Ew. I do. What is Buck Um <laughs> That was all the characters I did. I didn't bother doing the dad or the old lady neighbor because oh. who cares? Right? Did anybody care? <laughs> okay. 
I really wanted to know who who was the abused girl across the street. Let's pick one. <laughs> I'm, <Okay>. pick one. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> pick a sad looking child actor. Is is that kid who um who sees dead people still uh, a child? Probably not. <laughs> that movie. Wow. No. 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 That was. That, that came out like 2006, I think. So, who no. Wow. <laughs> I think it was earlier than that. It's a long time ago. Was it? If I got it right, like, Hold I on. didn't know. Let's yeah. look it up real quick. We have time, right? <laughs> Not according to Vanessa. Um, I'm going to go 1999? Oh, wow. You're way <laughs> off. I was. I won. But damn, that's, that's the year, old. That's the year I graduated high school. Damn, that's old. <laughs> Whoa. I was only eight years old, you old bitch. Roseanne, you know how hard I cried at your graduation? I know. Why? What? I cried hard I at think, Roseanne's graduation. I think I cried because everyone else is crying. I was like, what's happening? Crying? I, I was like sobbing uncontrollably at her graduation. As Sarah was comforting me, I, I don't know. Her cousin Sarah. Hi, Sarah, because I know you're listening. Um, I don't, I don't know why. I know I why. I cried hard at her graduation. I know why because I was I gonna shit about you. Uh, I was gonna be leaving the house soon and taking my fucking herbal essences with me. Well, <laughs> I was gonna say, and your shaving cream, and your good razors, and your cute clothes. <laughs> I was the stealer of the herbal essence. Roseanne had a share room with me for three seconds. You know what? I got to sleep on her fucking pompano chair in the corner. I didn't even get a bed in her room. Why anyone paired us to share a room together, I will never know. And I, I literally slept on a pompano chair before. I was like, this won't work. It's called a papazon chair long. for one. Oh! Pompano. <laughs> pompano. The beach. Roseanne used to play this game when I had to share a room with her, too. Um, mind you, she had a full bed, a whole situation, dresser and everything. I had a cot that folded up in, like in half. A futon. <laughs> no. It was an actual oh. metal cot that had to fold up and be pushed to the corner. Because <laughs> it wasn't allowed to be out during the daytime because it was invading the space. And she would play this game where she would hold a pillow over my head to see how long I could hold my breath. I don't remember this. <laughs> Are you sure? I do. Very fondly. Uh, is that a, it's a Nina moment, Roseanne. <laughs> it's a Nina moment. Is this real? Okay, let's play the game. I don't remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. I don't it has to have what? that strike from the record. <laughs> I've got a couple um, TV shows that have been adapted to movies worth mentioning. Yeah. Just a couple this time. Um, so the final episodes of Firefly Lane were released. Um, grab your fucking tissues, bitches, because it's really fucking sappy. Um, you're going to be all in yeah. your feels. So yeah. if you don't like feeling emotions, don't watch it. Um, but it was really good. Actually, you know, they strayed a lot from the book, but I thought they did a really good job. Like I still really enjoyed, I enjoyed the show. Um, and then we've got another Candy Montgomery documentary. I'm going to have to watch these at some point. There seems to be a lot. It seems to be popular. This one's called Love and Death on HBO Max and it's got Elizabeth Olsen in it. She's not one of the Olsen twins. She's the other Olsen as they call her. Um, and I've heard that one's pretty good too. You guys haven't watched um, MH370 on Netflix? It's good. <laughs> I'm waiting for someone to be like, what? <laughs> is this the fucking missing airplane? It is. Is it a book? Stupid or- <laughs> it's thought on the fucking outline. <laughs> is it a book? It's the Malaysian airline that was missing. There's three episodes and they're all good. 
All right. You're supposed to, to do it on a book. I'm sure there's a book somewhere about MH370. I'm sure there's not because it's Malaysia. I, I'm sure there's <laughs> I'm a sure Malaysian there's book either. about MH370. A whole plane disappeared. We're all like, Sarah's so sad. <laughs> Anyways, <Yeah>. so. <laughs> <laughs> I did watch. I watched the last thing he told me. Um, oh yeah, which is based on the book we talked about in the last episode, and I did finish it. It was good. Okay, I haven't watched um, it yet. I for all of us, I've renewed Roseanne's Apple TV subscription, so we can all take advantage of watching it. I believe I've shared the password and username with both of you, so it's worth watching. She did this to me on a uh, Sunday morning. I was trying to sleep in, and I woke up to text messages of uh, Apple. I gave you <laughs> a fair warning. You have three months to um, cancel it or pay six ninety nine a month. It's up to you what you choose okay. to do. Okay. Well, I'll be expecting Venmo. If you do Apple <laughs> One, it's all combined. So do that, Rosie, instead. Okay. All right. Um, are we ready to outro this bitch? Let's outro. Okay. Uh, three episodes in. Are y'all not entertained? We are excited to announce to you guys that our next book club pick is No Exit by Taylor Adams. The book has also been adapted to a Hulu series, so we'll be both reading and watching and comparing the two. So please head over to our Instagram for release dates and further details about the book. And guys, don't forget that while you're over there checking out our newest release dates and details, to please drop us a line. Let us know how we've done. We'd love to hear from you. We like to share our reviews on our site, so be one of those that gets mentioned. And while you're there, don't forget to tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. All right, guys, that's it. Episode three is a wrap. Super proud of us. We're three strong. Dale Earnhardt, edit that out later. Maybe I'll keep it in. Hashtag three. Yeah, yeah. Hashtag number three. Hashtag Dale. Long live Dale. Edit. All right, y'all. Boogity, boogity, boogity. (laughs) Edit. (laughs) Let's go racing. Edit. (laughs) Cheers and happy reading. (laughs) 